Hello. There he is. Hello. I would Hello. like to order uh, a large Hawaiian. No cheese. Extra Rock. sauce. Hello. What? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Shall we do the entire podcast like this? Make sure oh. there's no cheese. Yeah. Nathan, your turn. Nathan. Nathan. I don't want any cheese. <laughs> I don't want to talk like that. <laughs> Just have to do it for a little bit. Hang Just on, for a happen? little bit, you say? Well, oh, that's awesome. Let's probably do that for a smidgen. Ah, oh, that's good. No, not a smidgen. No cheese. Extra sauce. Nachos. I like some nachos, young man, with extra cheese. Additional cheese, please. No, no cheese, yes, I said. No Hey everyone, today is Wednesday, the 3rd of August, 2016. This is The Gap, episode 332. I'm Luke Laurie. Job Gore is here on time this week. Yeah, I am. <laughs> we are- you late last week, Joby. I was late last week, yes. Ooh, Quite I forgot late. it was Tuesday. I forgot what day it was. I, I actually hit, calendar, hit my deadline. Um, yeah, because uh, my wife was sick, and uh, so the weekend sort of bled into one another and I sort of forgot what day anything was and uh, so yeah Monday sort of just went by in a blur I was a bit sick on Monday as well so yeah anyway Uh, Nathan Lawrence is here spoilers hello no cheese remember this no cheese yes (laughs) no cheese everybody will know what we're talking about I know I don't know what you're talking about yes you do no I don't no, no ideas. No ideas. Anyway, um, let's let's kick in because yeah, you're going to get a movie that is apparently awful. Who is? So, um, yeah. You are. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got Suicide Squad. I thought you said you do as well. No. Yeah, you're not that crazy. No, I'm not. I am not. You're going to have to listen to I- Nathan and I talk about it all weekend. That's okay. I already heard listened to Nathan and Lucy from IGN talk about it and <laughs> spoil it. Without any care for who was in the room with them, so I just yeah, walked away, Joby. It wasn't about you that conversation. So, oh yeah, I could have gone and talked to the fucking YouTubers or something. Thanks, the streamers. Yeah, you're the yeah. friend of the streamers. That's what they call you. That is what they call me. <laughs> the friendly streamer friend. The yeah, friendly streamer friend. Uh, oh, friends, streamers creepy. everywhere. Yeah, that's that old Joby guy. Uh, he's an old man, and he likes to hang around with uh, the teenagers, <laughs> the twenty year olds. <laughs> Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> the if like, they could hey. see, if they could see your Skype picture now, Jeremy, it would add so much more meaning to, oh, to that. Oh, we were supposed <laughs> to add that as the um, as the thing, like last week, weren't we? I thought you would have, but yeah, I was, you know, I, I forgot. You need to send it to me, like in an email or something. I will. Okay. The gun. Uh, speaking of creepy th- things, uh, we went to Magic the Gathering, the Grand Prix, <laughs> Sydney. Um, and uh, Great segue. it was a mixed bag. It was a mixed bag. Because um, we went in there and I thought it'd be a lot like uh, neck beardier 
than it was. Like there are a lot of normal people there. Um, people who are just enthusiastic about magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there were a lot of um, ultra nerdy people there who just sort of made me really uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty, pretty weird event. Um, it's the Grand Prix Sydney. So it's like, uh, one of the big, big events and it was held out at Homebush, which, uh, I've sworn to never go to again, but I went cause, uh, that's yeah, how I, I roll. <laughs> there was that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That helped. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. We we played some some draft, which is where eight people sit around a table, and then uh, the person who's never played before desperately tries to work out what fucking cards he's supposed to pick, and uh, then everyone passes their, their decks around and shit, and mm-hmm. uh, you wind up with a a deck of just utter gutter trash, and that's what happened to me, <laughs> um, and. Uh, that, that kind of sucked balls. It'd be like if you first, like, sorry, the third time you played Hearthstone, they were like, yeah, just play Arena. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. What? You're working out. You just got to pick 30 cards from 90 potential cards, and uh, you've got to know how to construct a deck out of that. You'll be fine. So that's what happened. Um, the second time we played Drafts, I actually constructed a brilliant deck that destroyed fucking everyone. I beat... Ziggy D, who is a streamer that I am actually a friend of, and uh, I destroyed him. So he was the worst Magic player. Because if I was the worst, and I was the worst Magic player at the Grand Prix Sydney, then anyone I beat would take the title off me. So uh, he took the title. He took the championship belt, became the worst Magic player in Sydney, which is uh, a bit of a downer for him, I guess. What do you think, Luke? Did you have fun? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. The uh, whole drafting system was definitely very different to what I'm used to. Um, kind of. So when you normally, well, I don't know what the normal type of drafting system is, but when you normally like pick a, a set of cards, you kind of open up all your packs and then lay them out um, in terms of their like color and then how many um, mana it costs. Uh, whereas this one was more like, here's a bunch of cards. Um, and then you have to start with, with like a card that's quite good or something that you can use and then sort of build around that. And then you pass all the, the cards that you, so you basically take one card and then pass it, pass those rest of the cards to your left. And then you pick up, um, the leftover cards from the person to your right. And then you keep going around the table until you've got something to work with. Um, so not only are you kind of trying to figure out, well, what is something that I can build, but you got to try and look at it in the terms of like, what is everybody else doing? Because, Am I going to get the color that I want or the cards that I want? Um, so, yeah, that was quite a, a cool way of looking at it when we played it. Um, but, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. I I didn't, um, you know, I, it's not like I didn't have fun. Uh, it was a def- definitely a different way of playing it. I played mm. against um, a really good player from what I was told. And... Uh, we were playing like best of three or something, and and I won one game, and he absolutely destroyed me on the the very last game. Um, I think he was being quite generous the second game. Um, the first game was pretty uh, was pretty much like a, I think I got him down to about 10, 10 health. He started off on twenty, and uh, yeah. and then he beat me. Uh, second game, I basically 
said to him, look, I'm just going to keep building shit like on the table and putting it down and we'll get to a point eventually where we should attack each other. Um, and he seemed to find that quite amusing. So we were both pretty much just putting cards down and putting cards down until we had this enormous army of things happening. Uh, and eventually I won that one. Uh, and then he like obliterated me the next round. Just absolutely destroyed me. Uh, I didn't get any good cards. Oh, and that was the... Um, it's funny because uh, I I got I drew my cards and uh, Paul the one of the PR guys that was there was like oh you should probably you should probably uh, redraw and I was like oh okay all right I'll redraw and then I redrew and then played with those cards and just got stomped I was just so I just blamed yeah. on him the entire time um, so it's always nice to have someone to blame it on yeah well he was the closest thing there that I could blame it on so why not um, so that was yeah that was really fun playing those and also like. Every time I play this game, it's really cool to have somebody there that knows what they're doing. And they're all really f- friendly people that are more than happy to explain the rules to you. And, um, you know, the, you, you don't feel like you're getting cheated. Well, I don't feel like you're getting cheated. Like, they'll look at it and be like, yeah, you should play this card as opposed to this card. And and that's like, there was an instance where we were, we were I was kind of talking my way through it. And once mm. I finished, um, he basically, that's exactly what I would do. So... Um, you should do that. And, and I don't feel like he's like leading me down a path where um, it had, you know, more of an advantage to him. So, yeah, they seem like really cool people to play with. Um, and they were, they're always fun. So uh, then the second game that I played was uh, against Amy. And um, I played the first round with her and, and beat her. And then the second round, she beat me. And then the third round I played against you with her deck do you remember that oh yeah yep 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 Yep. um and and I was amazing so you were amazing yeah Yeah, I got terrible cards again I got super lucky the first round I had a um basically had a flying creature that I equipped with an um with like a plus three power and it also had vigilance so vigilance means that you can attack and then once your turn ends, it untaps again, so it can then block, yeah. which is super useful because- um, Super yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, because it basically meant that I could attack each time and um, and then and then block with it next round. So they- And this thing had like seven, I think it was seven or eight power and like it was doing four or five damage each turn with mm-hmm. all this stack on it. So there was really nothing- in her deck that she could deal with but when I played the next two rounds I never got those cards and I kind of got just stomped um, and actually you did get the card out once and oh I, you uh, fucked me with it yeah removed you yeah um, yeah uh, I should also point out when I played uh, Ziggy the first game uh, I pulled a card that because um, in Magic you, you play towards like you've got two colours are basically define what kind of deck you've got because you got to have the color that the land is and shit. You know that, right, Nate? Yes. Yes. No? I do remember that. No, I do. Sort of. I didn't no. Forget. No, I forgot it the first time that we played, and then the right. second time I was reminded. And yes, I do know that. So I put together a, a deck, and uh, the deck I put together, like the third card I pulled while playing Ziggy, uh, was I was playing. I think it was uh, white and red. And I pulled a black card out of my deck, and it was sort of like, okay, 
Job has created such a terrible deck that he doesn't even have mana to play the card that he just drew. <laughs> uh, and yet I still won. Because uh, that's just how I roll. Uh, but um, it was pretty, like, uh, this coming weekend, the Pro Tour is on, but the weekend just passed was the uh, Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah, so we found out more details about how that works, about how, like, Wizards flies people out to, like, flies people from around the world to come play and stuff like that. Um, we talked to talked to Will from Wizards of the Coast, uh, and we're going to insert that uh, into the podcast really subtly without calling too much attention to it right now. Did you do something to make that happen? Yeah, I'll do it. Hey, everyone. Uh, Luke and Job here. We're at Olympic Park today checking out uh, hundreds of people playing Magic the Gathering. Um, we've got Will from Wizards here to, I guess, fill us in of what's going on and talk about Magic in general. Um, thanks for having a chat, Will, with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So today we're actually at the Magic the Gathering Grand Prix. Yep. So a Grand Prix is actually uh, the pretty much the biggest public events that we host for Magic the Gathering. Um, we have well over a thousand players on site, all competing for a prize pool of US fifty thousand dollars. Awesome. awesome. So this Grand Prix um, is there like an overall bigger tournament that all the points kind of accumulate to that. That's kind of how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So the Grand Prix, if you finish in the top eight, that will actually qualify you to the next tier, which is the, uh, the Pro Tour. So the Pro Tour is where you know, the, the top players in the world um, come together, um, I believe it's uh, three times in a year to... No, not three times a year, four times in a year, sorry. <laughs> four times in a year to compete for uh, a bigger prize pool. Okay. And how long have these tournaments been going on? Are they quite new or is it something that's being you know, going on for a long, long time now? Oh, that is a fantastic question. So um, I guess it depends in terms of, like, you know, fully organised play. Um, yeah. We've been... We're basically the company that's been doing, you know, e-sports, like, organised events for, you know, the longest time in history um obviously started off with more kind of independent um organizers doing their kind of smaller scale events and then mm-hmm. we entered the uh, the fray with you know their larger kind of uh, professional level events so our structure used to be more along the lines of you know like states and then nationals and then you know global championships now we've kind of broken them into more of um smaller regional pockets just to enable as many players as possible to get access to these high level tournaments yeah um but also in terms of like you know this one's being held in sydney you've got um professional players from all around the world here as well um how does that what does their role kind of uh do for this area like um you know are they here to pretty much just earn the points are they also here to um you know try and I guess raise the competitiveness of, of the local scene as well. Like, how does that fit into it? So the pro players, I mean, Magic is you know, their way of life. You know, they're living, so they will visit um, every tournament that it makes sense for them to get to, and they're available to fly to to you know try and earn the the prize money and you know continue uh, um, with their their job, so to speak. In terms of the impact in the local market, it's absolutely huge. I mean, to get 
players. So if you're a Magic player and you've been watching the Magic streams, um, looking at the coverage of all the major events that happen around the world, these guys are like you know your you know, your sports stars equivalents um, from around the world. And for them to all kind of converge onto Sydney and playing in the Grand Prix, you have a chance to basically go head to head with these guys and you know, see see how you fare against them. Uh, yeah, usually not too well, but you know. That's why they're the pros. <laughs> so how many pros did you bring across, uh, did Wizards bring across for the Grand Prix, the Sydney Grand Prix? So the Sydney Grand Prix is not something we specifically bring pros in across. Okay. So as it happens, uh, the weekend after, we actually have Pro Tour Eldritch Moon, which is also hosted in Sydney. And that event is where we actually uh, fly in uh, the about 400 to 450 of the world's top players and they will have earned their invites um, through qualifying tournaments, uh, through points or their status um, in the game as you know, the high level players or hall of famers yep. and those um, 400 odd players, um, they have the opportunity to fly in earlier and compete in an additional tournament while they're in town. Oh okay, so how does that, how does that affect the odds of say, like say I know the top 8 right, make it into the Pro Tour how does that affect the odds of the, I guess, locals who maybe didn't make the Pro Tour initially? Is like is is that very impactful, or does it wind up not actually? You know, they weren't supposed to make it to the Pro Tour anyway. I'd say that Magic, it, the game is never evolving. Um, game, we release new content every three months. This Grand Prix actually come. Uh, happens two weeks after the release of a brand new set. So even the pros themselves are testing and training to integrate the new content in there. So if you're an avid player within the local Magic scene and you've put in the time and effort to test and to understand the format, there's no reason why you don't have a good shot at defeating the pros and climbing to that top spot. So um, it, it like so Eldritch Moon is the new expansion. Uh, how is... Like, how have you seen it affecting the meta of the competitive play? Because I know that most of them haven't had enough time to really work out what they're doing with it yet. Like, is it just a bit of a crapshoot at the moment? or I guess in a way it is. Like, yeah. um, at the start of like every new content release, um, and this obviously goes beyond just Magic as well, you think about video games, you know, every time a new expansion pack launches, um, people immediately try to work out what's the best thing, what's the new combinations that you can find, um, where are the, the weaknesses that uh, you can exploit. And that is actually yeah, happening you know, right now. This is the kind of flux period. So this Grand Prix is um, yeah, it's a great testing ground for these new strategies different players and this grand prix is a combo of innistrad and eldritch moon isn't it yeah so um we're in uh magic releases in blocks essentially so although an expansion comes out every three months every six months the storyline and the the plane or the world that we live in is uh, consistent so shadows of innistrad released in april and introduced us to the plane of innistrad and its gothic horror theme and eldritch moon continues that theme and then moves it into a more of a twisted way as our eldrazi monsters come along and warp the plane and uh, I don't know I, I'm not a magic expert I, I, I think I've been pretty upfront about that previously but uh, it seems like the Eldrazi are like these big heavy hitters a lot of the time is it like I like is the plan to move towards like a chunky sort of meta where people play a lot of big cards is like are you trying to drive something that's more pl- like spectator friendly or like is there a reason behind 
those kinds of cards? Oftentimes, uh, our store and our law drive um, what type of cards come out of it. So, our creative teams do an excellent job of you know developing a world, fleshing out the stories and the characters in there, the the protagonists, the the plot twists. And it's up to our design and development team to then take that content and then turn it into cards that reflect that story and that theme. So the story of um, Shadows of Innistrad was that this plane is just suddenly turned mad. Things are twisting around. We don't know why. Our planeswalkers, um, our heroes of uh, the story, they arrive at the plane and they're trying to work out, okay, what's going on here? There's a mystery here. Let's work out what's causing this. Then in Eldritch Moon, we find out that, oh, it's actually one of the uh, other planeswalkers here actually summoning one of the Eldrazi Titans to the plane, which has now caused all this madness to really manifest itself. So when you say, are we actually pushing towards um, the bigger the bigger creatures um, in this particular set? Yes, because it fits right in with the story and the theme. When we move to our next plane in Kaladesh, that's um, the home plane of Chandra, one of our uh, red planeswalkers, it's very much... Uh, um, it's an artifact-heavy set, and it focuses very much on you know. Um, so the the theme is very. It's called etherpunk, basically. Is okay. And think of it as a mix of steampunk and Bollywood, <laughs> which yeah, is okay. pretty crazy and unusual. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So it's a bright, colourful steampunk. Okay. Well. Cool. And that again, depending on the the story and the arc that it goes, the cards will be developed in line with that. So maybe we do have huge artifact creatures, or maybe we have a lot of smaller, you know, support artifacts that help uh, play our planeswalkers uh, in their game. So the the story drives the cards, not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Like that, that, I don't know. It must make it really difficult to balance if, I especially when you've got cards as big as uh, the. The one good card I got was um, the Emerald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you've got something like that, that, that's an insane card, right? Like that's crazy. Uh, it must be really tough to balance that while still keeping its story relevant. Like I, I don't know. It just seems crazy to me to to do it that way around, right? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, Emerald is um, one of the the cards which. Yeah, it's, he's come out in the past before in the original plan of Innistrad and back then he was the heavy hitter then but he was by no means you know undefeatable yeah so again even though Emrakul makes an, uh, another appearance here we've made sure that uh, within the set itself there are ways to counter him yeah fair enough um, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of the pros is that they consider Magic Online to be sort of like a, an aside like not a not something that they take very seriously. They use it for, I don't know, something to pass the time while still keeping on track with magic and stuff like that. Is that, like, obviously cards are a huge part of the Wizards' business model, so physical play must be massively important. But would uh, a push towards more magic online drive a better spectator uh, or spectatorship for the game? Like, would it wind up being something that people could watch more easily than having to physical like watch physical play because I don't know like you can't watch a thousand people play card no. games as much as you'd <laughs> like to you walk past and you're like well yeah they're definitely playing cards but like yeah, absolutely I mean there's a lot of detail involved in the game of magic I mean yeah. we liken magic to be the, the card version of chess right and that intrinsically makes it challenging to kind of 
you know, broadcast widely because it requires quite a, an understanding of the game and the mechanics. Um, it's not instantly recognisable. Like a video game that's being broadcast, you don't actually need to understand the skills involved. Like you look at StarCraft and the crazy APMs, you don't need to know that to understand that yep. this guy is going to have to smash this guy with a whole bunch of Marines. Um, so with uh, the content that we put out, we have to carefully, more carefully curate them. So we have our uh, feature match areas we have commentators that help explain the game to the audience as we go um, right now at uh, Sydney Grand Prix we're actually live streaming the entire event uh, with the live coverage team on our Twitch channel so we have a team of um, commentators which will make sure that they break down each of the plays um, as they happen um, so that the audience kind of gets to absorb everything that's going on and I assume a lot of the players who are coming over for the uh, pro tour who didn't make it to the Grand Prix are watching the the stream very closely. Yeah, absolutely. If they're not uh, testing it for themselves, then they'll be looking for you know little insights that appear in the stream. Does Magic Online then does it have a place uh, outside of just being sort of a casual aside for Magic players? Like, is that something that Wizards wants it to exist as, or is it just sort of is it? Are you guys just sort of happy for it to just sort of be? Yeah, our core business is definitely the trading card games. I mean, what's made Magic so successful and even after like 23 years is that there's an in, it's a built-in kind of like social aspect of Magic, right? You're face-to-face across your opponent, whether that's in a competitive environment and you can you know, poker style bluff them out or if it's around the kitchen table and you're just you know, talking rubbish and blackmailing each other over yeah. over this game right um, Magic Online when you transition to the digital space it becomes somewhat more impersonal like it's all about the most rational moves and logic kind of takes the lead um, so when you're using it as a as a tool for testing, it is a fantastic platform for that because you should be you know, running through multiple games, making sure you're making the right decision, minimizing the mistakes you might make in a real-life game. Um, the other benefit of Magic Online um, is the fact that you can play anytime, anywhere. So with face-to-face games, I'm sure anyone who's tried to organize a meetup, there's always you know, logistical challenges and you know, not everyone's available at the yeah. time that you're available. Um, the Magic Online is one of our digital platforms. That's definitely more for the enfranchised players. Uh, we also have Magic Duels. And Magic Duels is more of our kind of entry level to Magic. So that product, um, it's an app on iOS, Xbox and PC Steam, free to play. And it's really designed for players who are interested in Magic to just jump in, play the game, learn the rules, and test against the AI. I mean, there's no shame to getting crushed by the AI. No one needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's fair. I was going to say, um, we, when we met a couple of years back and I first started doing some interviews with you, like, Jules was the game that got me back into it, like, learning how to, to play again and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I guess over the, the years that you've kind of seen Jules come along and then games like... Uh, uh, Hearthstone, and then most recently, Elder Scrolls is, is doing a, a card game as well. Like, how have you seen that uh, affect what's happening in the actual the card space? Like, all these different games that are coming along. Like, more competition, I guess, is good. But um, have you seen a lot more players coming along now because all these games are out there? I think um, probably need an analogy here to, I guess, say driving games. Yeah. So, in a driving game you wouldn't say that you know the only driving game out there is Forza right there's you know your Gran Turismo so those are more along the realistic high-end side of things and on the other end of the spectrum you've got Mario Kart 
you know, or you've got Rocket League. So there's definitely a spectrum of um, different genres, and that's the same within card games as well. So Hearthstone is definitely more your kind of action-oriented uh, TCG. It's very fast-paced. Whereas Magic on the other end of the spectrum is more of a strategy game, requires a bit more uh, deliberate thought and uh, slower paced. So that's where we kind of exist. And where we've found is actually rather than having new entrants kind of cannibalize our audience, we've actually seen the, the trading card game genre as a whole grow. So, you know, rather than steal each other's, you know, audience, we've just together we've just baked a bigger pie and more and more people are now um, getting into trading card games and they'll eventually find the genre that they like the most and that's where they'll they'll play for uh the australian players who are like out there trying to get in like trying to do their best i was talking to um jason earlier he he's from new zealand um he was saying that the scene winds up being like despite all the people you see here the actual scene winds up being kind of small like how do you encourage growth within uh australia as a as a card game scene as a a sports scene a competitive scene how do how do you make people more enticed into playing like against other people in australia Mm, that's an interesting so you're talking about the competitive side specifically yeah so i think with all kind of competitive aspects of a game, you need to build up your your baseline audience, right? Yep. With um, every you know, game out there, you've got a, a baseline audience who will play it for the fun aspect first and foremost, and then no matter what the game, you can always make it competitive. There'll be people who want to just show that they've got you know better skills, they're able to outwit their opponents, you know. Yeah. Um, so within that, um, a proportion of the players that we recruit um, on a or kind of broad level, will transition to that competitive play. And that competitive play is most often hosted uh, within stores and within the premier level tournaments that we host, like the Grand Prix and the, uh, the Pro Tour qualifiers. Does, but is there like a... Um, do, you, do you think there's like something that is dr- driving players away from trying to get, break into the competitive scene, like apart from just not feeling like they're competitive enough? I, I mean, you look at the... Uh, the streamers and, and casters who've come along today and they're all super keen to play uh, and try their hands at the tournament but none, most of them haven't actually played in the tournament scene before there must be some reason why they, they're not trying to play competitively except when they're specifically at a competition yeah absolutely and I would say like you know you can play soccer or football or basketball casually with your friends and have a great time and then you get asked to go, hey, join this uh, professional league here and play there. I mean, well, you play casually. What's the, what's the, what's the worry, right? <laughs> and there's always going to be that intimidation factor, right? Because these other players, you see them playing professionally and they're making these great plays. And you're like, I, I can kind of do that, but, you know, maybe I'm not as consistent. I'm you don't want to sure. get dunked on. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So there's always that kind of uh, intimidation factor. There's that barrier. I mean, until you can kind of push past that and then kind of determine for yourself, you know, where your skill level lies, 
and that's when you go, okay, yep, I, I'm, I can hold it with the, the big boys at the tournament. So then your next phase might be, okay, well, I want to climb higher. So how do I develop my skills? And you can either, you obviously, a time investment is there, but also just talking to the other kind of high-level players will then impart some of their wisdom. You absorb how they look at things and how they play, and then your, your own play level will then increase accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you can only get better by playing better opponents, right? Yeah. Um, one of the like one of the things that I find interesting about like a tournament like this is uh, I, I don't know I guess I went over it before but I, I wonder like how many Australians are actually going to punch on through like how good is the Australian scene compared to the the rest of the world do you think? That's a very subjective question. <laughs> Definitely, in your opinion, in your opinion, question. and uh, and not not to you know throw any any shade at anyone. Just sort of, if you were to look at the scenes themselves, shit. How many how, of the four hundred and fifty Capcom pro, uh, not Capcom, sorry, pro uh, tournament that are coming? Like, how many Australian? You know what? I do not have those stats. <laughs> I will get that for you. But I, I do have the one stat which I'm very proud of, which yeah. is uh, Jason Chung. He's yeah. our um, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand based, and he's our top ranked pro in the Australia New Zealand region. Um, he's got the, a platinum level status, which is the highest status you can get as a professional player. So he's definitely going toe to toe with all the heavy hitters from around the world. How do you get that status? Um, by being good. So is it like is it an ELO system or um, in the past Magic was based on the ELO system, yep. um, but we found that um, that actually limited the participation rate of our high level players because the risk um, of course yeah. is so high. So our system got revamped a few years back, where it's now a combination of high level finishers um, as well as consistent playing. So it's kind of a points ranking system. Okay, but of course there's also you know specific tournaments which will kind of if you you know take a high enough position in those that'll automatically push you through to the next tier yeah okay um so what would you say jason's chances are at the grand prix and then at the pro tour uh after speaking with jason he's very confident that he's going to make day two today so uh watch out everyone who's on site for day one um in fact uh he the pros, um, all, all the players with three-round buys, they're all about to enter the fray into fourth round now. So uh, we're probably going to get uh, the results of that bloodbath very soon. They'd have to go, like, because it's, it's, you get knocked out if you get three losses, right? Uh, not necessarily three losses. It's if you don't make a certain uh, finish. So I, I'll have to double-check the exact uh, finish, but you need a certain number of um, wins to okay. make it to, to day two. Okay. Well, yeah, the way Jason said like, put it was that yeah if you lost three t- times yeah, I you're guess, pretty yeah. much done um, <laughs> uh, so yeah I guess like, if you did lose three times after you had three buys you'd be pretty much done anyway yeah, right like pretty much you'd be or you got the worst draw going. of all time just <laughs> <laughs> um, like does the buy system uh, does that give like, I suppose it's designed to give an advantage to the pro players or what do the pro players need an advantage or is it just to make sure random stuff doesn't accidentally like leave you with no pros left in in the I think um, if you're a high enough level player then it's just one of the benefits that uh, right. you're awarded yeah so yeah why not take it <laughs> yeah definitely um, okay so yeah you were, you were, you're not sure of the numbers but to like if I were playing today today's day one 
I, I jump in, I obviously don't get any buys, uh, I probably lose two games. Uh, it's all on the line, right? Like, yeah. I just have to win from there on out. Absolutely. So we usually... And it's eight on, games? Uh, today is a nine-round tournament. Right. And uh, depending on the number of players, um, that'll determine how many uh, players move on to day two. So today we should have 64 players moving into day two yep. to compete for um, yeah, the top eight slots. And today is, what's that mode where you open up the pack and play with it? With uh, so it's, a, it's the limited format, specifically right. sealed deck, where yep. you'll open six boosters and then build the best deck you can. Yeah, yeah, pool. okay. And tomorrow, what what changes tomorrow? Uh, drafts. Okay. So um, for those unfamiliar with drafting, it's essentially where each player has three booster packs. They will open their first booster pack, pick one card that they like from that, and pass the pack to their left. And then they'll continue to. How pick many a card people participate pass. in this draft? Usually in pods of eight. Pods of so tomorrow, sixty-four players. What eight, eight pods of eight? Eight pods of eight. Okay, so and you might just wind up with trash. <laughs> uh, hopefully, your your experience in drafting will uh, make sure you can read signals. So. Um, when you suddenly see a particularly powerful card and a color get passed to you, that signals that, okay, that color's open because your neighbor did not take Didn't that take card. it, right. Um, conversely, if suddenly all the red cards have disappeared, you're like, okay, maybe I need to stay out of <laughs> that color. So, yeah, there's a skill in identifying the powerful cards, but also reading the, the signals um, of the cards as they're passed around. So, so drafted has its own meta. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So you have to be accomplished at two different levels of game then yeah, to actually the succeed game, at a Grand play the Prix. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's that's pretty interesting. I I had no idea that. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, it's not enough to just play your constructed whatever you've put together. Obviously, with sealed, you could still get screwed. <laughs> yeah. There's certainly an element of RNG <laughs> in there. I mean, that's the way the, the that, game. Yeah. But you might works. get super lucky instead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, with with drafted, yeah, it's that's where player skill kicks in and kind of you know uh, mitigates a lot of the uh, the RNG that might be involved. Do players like have you ever seen players make it to the round of sixty four and then find themselves just unable to draft, or is it something people? play towards uh, it's absolutely possible if you have not had much experience drafting and um, you've just gotten a great pull and you've you know smashed away through the day two if you don't have that experience it's easily yeah for you to just get out play right from the get-go from the drafting not even the actual match yeah just the drafting of the cards um, I, I suppose you'd if you made it to the 64 you'd probably have a decent idea of whether or not you were screwed from the get-go right you'd uh, be able to look at your deck and be like <laughs> well this one's not going well for me yeah <laughs> Having said that, I mean, there are definitely ways to work on it. Say, for example, if um, you haven't drafted particularly well, then you sort of play to the strength. So if you've got a lot of little creatures, then you need to try and win as quickly as possible before your opponents might get some of their more powerful cards online. And yep. conversely, if you've just got a whole lot of, like, really expensive cards that will win you the game, if you, you survive, stall. then, yeah, you're going <laughs> to stall. Stall as much as possible. Yeah, That's fair it. enough. So there are definitely um, strategies that if you know there are weaknesses in your deck, then you shore them up by a certain play style. Yeah, cool. All right. You got any more questions, Luke? Uh, no, should we wrap things up? We're getting half an hour here. Um, when, whenever we talk about magic, we always tell people kind of uh, using our knowledge how they can get into it, like get under your local a board game shop or a good game. Um, what, what is your spiel about how people can get into this game? 
Okay, so um, we mentioned, talked about Magic Jewels as a digital option um, earlier. So Magic Jewels is probably the best way to get started playing Magic. You can learn all the rules um, just through the app. It's free to play. Um, then you can take those skills and then you know, take them online as well. The beauty about Magic Jewels is the skills you learn in that digital app are directly transferable to the trading card game. So once you're confident enough um, in your skills, you can just wander into your local uh, WPEN, which is our Wizards Play Network store, stores that host um, sanctioned events. Mm-hmm. And you can just ask them, hey, um, you've got some events I can play in. Um, but we also have uh, these kits called welcome kits that we offer to stores, and they're essentially uh, a small sample of cards that lets you just get started dabbling in the physical card game as well. So, yep, all in all, magic jewels to start, and then once you're, you're pretty confident, wander into your local store. Yeah, and you can go to the website and it tells you where the local store is and yeah. what's, what's happening in terms of events that are nearby. Yeah, absolutely. So the specific site that you might want to check out is uh, locator.wizards.com. Just type in your, your suburb or your postcode and out it pops with all the different stores around you and the events that they're running. Cool. Um, so are you playing at all today in any of these tournaments? Are you going to try try your hand at one of the pros? Uh, or Sadly, <laughs> uh, as staff, we're not able to compete in these uh, these tournaments anymore. You know, something about unfair advantage. Although, anymore? Anyway. <laughs> well, once upon a time, I was uh, before our staff, I thought I was a good enough player. But, uh, yeah, one missed registered deck list, and uh, yep, that dashed all my hopes. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Will, for having a, a quick chat to us. Yeah. A, a quick chat, Job normally can't stop talking um which turns into half an hour so well thanks for having me guys oh jesus that's interesting timing okay well let's fucking move on to something that uh you've been playing mate no no because luke will want to talk about siege uh company heroes blitzkrieg mod yes playing this young uh sebenton uh-huh that is his name uh has been but yes it is it is it is has been uh, champing at the bit to um, take me for a spin in this mod that is apparently leaves Company of Heroes 2 for dead and is the reason why certain people can't um, make the leap from Company of Heroes to Company of Heroes 2, apparently. Okay. Uh, it's good, but I wouldn't say it's that good. What it does yeah. is it adds a whole shit ton of new units and abilities and uh, all that good stuff that good mods do. It's all still realistic. It's all still World War II. You know, they haven't messed with that part. Um, it boosts the squad sizes to pretty sure six for pretty much everything that's a squad. Uh, and it adds sort of more realistic damage modeling. So if you've ever played the original Company Heroes or Company of Heroes 2 and there's an MG that gets the drop on a squad, say, out in the open without cover... They mm. kind of get shot. They get a bit upset. Shredded. They yeah. get oh, suppressed. No, this, they get shredded, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's creep. They basically get annihilated. If you're like your micro has to be double micro, basically, you have to be listening out for any sort of alert or kind of have one eye always on the um, the minimap to see what what shit's going down where, because you'll just like move over casually to check on the progress of your squad that you sent to cap a flag and realize that they just got annihilated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it is, it is cool. And like on the high difficulty levels, it's, it's quite punishing. Um, mm. And they are very, very good. But I mean, like 
it's still kind of restricted in that like they haven't recorded any new audios. Some of the audio cues they've just taken from existing units, which can be confusing for newcomers if you're kind of listening for audio cue to dictate what the units do. And you really the only way to learn, I guess, apart from watching videos, um, is to just kind of th- really throw yourself in the deep end. Um, and even on normal, on the maps that I played, at least they can be quite aggressive at times yeah. the the ai so you're kind of sitting there hovering the mouse over these units that you're like oh that sounds interesting reading what it does and why you should buy it and then you really shouldn't be doing that so it kind of does have a steep um entry level but yeah. for fans of sort of that kind of milsim idea and who want a bit more of a realistic experience particularly those who didn't like the lack of realism i guess in that regard in um company hero series Yep. Why not? Give it a crack. It's free so, as long as you own it, like the core game. Which one? Which core game do you have to own? Original Company of Heroes right. only. Okay. Yep. No okay. mod tools for Company of Heroes sure. yeah. 2. But like what I found, having played quite a bit of Company of Heroes 2 uh, in recent months, mm. is that there are certain things that you really miss going back that right. they haven't been able to get in, like the True Sight system, which means that you yeah. Have this single blob around them, a vision that carries through objects and items. It actually dynamically moves based on line of sight, which is yeah. fucking awesome. It's really um, cool. And also, like the spawn system, they kind of made it. It sounds simple. They made it fairer. Instead of units spawning out of um, out of buildings, so that you know you would move certain buildings closer to the front line, mm-hmm. they all spawn from the same spot. So it's kind of like building placement is ultimately irrelevant unless you're blocking areas um because it all they all come from the same spot and in the same breath there was points on the map that you could capture that would open up kind of like a forward respawn resupply yeah yeah. like a fog yeah yeah which was cool and also like lots of little things like on the mini map you could do the old shift click to do waypoint orders which is in every rts included company of heroes but in this one you could click on the actual points and line up like two or three or however many you wanted points for them to capture um from the minimap in this in the original company of heroes you had to be like right on it and you can only do uh-huh. kind of one at a time or you had to kind of scan on the map to find them you couldn't just do it from the minimap um also like Company of Heroes 2 introduced capture areas, which makes it a lot more exciting and kind of like, you know, what you have in Overwatch with the blocking. Like, that that starts to come into it. Someone's trying to cap a point, particularly a fuel point or a... Um, why am I blanking on what they're called? Whatever the stars are, which is one of the big modes, Conquest or something. So you can, mm-hmm. like, run a cheeky unit in or a cheeky squad in to block a cap. Oh, yeah. If you've got the right perks, I think even certain vehicles have the ability to cap. Or you roll it, say, I know that the um, Americans, for instance, in Company of Heroes 2 have tanks that you roll in. So you'll roll them in, wipe out the squad, and then you'll like eject the crew to uh-huh. both cap the point and then repair your tank if it needs it. And then you jump back in and roll on. Like it's stuff like that. Like lots of little kind of changes that, that made it really, really cool. You haven't played it yet, have you, Joby? No, but uh, like I played it in preview, but yeah, I'm uh, I will I'll, I've got it installed now, so uh, we'll definitely have to play. I'll take it for we'll a spin. Some time next week. That'll be good. Cool, man. Uh, you've been playing more Homefront. Yeah, I went back to it because 
I sort of played that initial splurge and enjoyed it, but like you know, there was either a memory leak or something that was causing massive kind of frame dips for no discernible right. reason. Um, they still happen when it's like saving a checkpoint for some reason, but thankfully those checkpoints only happen kind of when you're at base. So it's sort of like more of a like frustration than a straight up annoyance or something that gets you killed. Um, and the frame rate seems to have, you know, leveled out and they've done some optimization work, which they obviously should have done at the beginning. But yeah, I just wanted to see like, cause you know, it got panned, man. That game got fucking hung out to dry. Yeah. So I was like, you know, it, I don't know about you, man, but for me, I always feel like, did I fuck up? Like, was I wrong? <laughs> and so I try to go back and give them like a bit more time to see if I agree or disagree. And I'm still enjoying it, man. Like it's, again, it's still a flawed game. Everything I yeah. said before is true. Uh, apart from some optimization, like the AI is still dumb as shit. Mm. And it, it's got a lot of good ideas that it doesn't really kind of fully deliver on. But in terms of like an open world sort of gameplay loop, shifting between objectives and these little emergent narrative moments that keep distracting you from the main path that are kind of also really organic, at least in the spaces I've played in. Yeah, I'm. I'm put in another, you know, five or six hours over the last couple of days. Yeah, okay. So I'll probably go back. Like it, it does. One of its coolest ideas, which is the weapons thing, you know, the old crisis idea, except yeah, you can actually yep. fully convert weapons into something else. So like a semi-auto rifle becomes a bolt-action uh, sniper rifle, or something ridiculous like a mini rocket launcher that shoots fireworks, which is hilariously um, off tone. It literally shoots like fireworks that explode. But um, it's a really cool idea. But like I find that I'm becoming really impatient with that system because I'm always like, oh, there's a guy in the distance. is a sniper. Okay, so hit X, you know, do the weapon conversion, which takes, I don't know, five or ten seconds. Take the shot. Oh, but I'm about to do some running gunning, so I better switch back to semi-auto mode. And when you're constantly like doing that, it mm. gets a bit grating. I mean, you can still move, but you can only move forward. You can't really look around while it's happening. So the cool thing about like throwing a scope on or changing, not that you ever actually really have incentive because for some reason I've unlocked all the attachments and they don't really have suppressors for the sort of bigger weapons, which is odd. Very odd. But yeah, man, it's still fun. Mm. And I reckon you, if you want to get it at some point, like, cause you did yep. say you were interested originally, obviously wait till it fucking bottoms out in price and is on sale for like <laughs> five or 10 bucks. Um, and ho hopefully they've thrown maybe a patch or two more at it. Although, you know, I have a feeling that they probably would have got shut down. Right. <laughs> Isn't that what happens nowadays when you, yeah. when you launch a <laughs> something that gets flops. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I still want to try co-op, though. So if you ever do get well, it. It's on my wish list on Steam. So uh, if it if it ever does pop up on sale, then uh, I'll definitely grab it. I mean, yeah. I, I, I liked, yeah, we've been over this a dozen times. So, yeah, it's like, yes. you know, I've got love for the, the series. So, yeah, I'd like to see something happen. You know what they don't do, which the like one of the few things that the original game did well, which is those sort of really jaw-dropping, hard-hitting, dramatic moments. I mean, do you remember the oh, stadium yeah. scene yeah. in the original game? They don't yeah. have that. Like, and and I thought that 
they were going to try to push it the other way and sort of explore this idea of like instead of it being like this kind of Nazi like enemy, you know, where they're literally committing war crimes in your own backyard, um, maybe a bit more balanced, you know what I mean? Like a bit more like wrong and right and the freedom fighter is someone's terrorist and all that sort of idea. But yeah. the story is like the weakest part of the game. Like it's very much just like getting you from place to place and you don't really, you don't feel the impact from the story. You feel it more like in terms of just kind of capturing, recapturing territories and seeing the po- the, the population shift from heavily patrolled sort of KPA to, you know, your guys rolling around and like a red sniper rifle uh, laser which indicates an enemy will change to a blue one. And then that lonely KPA guy who's rolling through the streets and starts mouthing off at you when he sees you starts getting followed by this laser. <laughs> you know, they're waiting for you to give basically the all clear by shooting at him for them to take him yeah. down. So there's stuff like that. But yeah, the story is really like, if you were going to take one thing from the original home front that it did well, it yeah. was those moments and those beats and that sort of like, yeah, like those are the things that I remember fondly about that game and that one multiplayer mode, even though yeah. multiplayer shambles at fucking launch, man, on PC at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it, yeah, it's a shame that they, they pissed it away, but yeah, it sounds like it's sort of better. I doubt it will get much better anymore, but yeah. No, I cool. don't think so. I'll probably end up uninstalling it before finishing it, if I had to be honest. Well, I will reinstall it when... The uh, when it comes down price and we can play some co-op. Yeah, be because cool. it's supposed to be fucking tough, and I love tough co-op. Yeah, um, modes. Me too. Um, Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. What the fuck was going on here? I saw you playing it on Steam. I'm like, what the fuck is Nathan doing? So I fucking love that game. Did you? Yeah. Did you play it? I, yeah, man, I loved it. So and there's nothing. It's such a fucking good game, and I can totally see picking it up again and playing it again. Because when I went, like, whenever I visit my brother up in Brisbane and I stay at his place, that's what I play. Like, because oh, really? it's sort of I don't know. We can fuck around and experiment with stupid shit and see how many like uh, orcs we can get into one area without dying, and then murder them all as quickly as possible and shit like that. Like, if you just if you trigger certain uh, war chiefs, they'll like if you get them down low enough, and then you refuse to kill them, they'll just they'll rally themselves and then call in more people, and you can just sort of call in like forty or fifty fucking orcs all in the one spot, and then just fucking ham on them. And oh, so you're talking about like when you do the hand thing and turn them to your side? Is that what you? No, no, like you want them to come in to help him. Like he'll call them. Oh, okay. to like certain combos of Warchief have the ability to both regenerate their own health and come and uh, and call in troops to support. And uh, when they do it, it's fucking hilarious because, uh, yeah, you can get some fucking crazy numbers going. And then, yeah, a lot of the time you do abuse the fuck out of the hand move. To get out of some uh, tough spots, because <laughs> yeah, you know, well, pretty fucking. They quickly. really did need to like that. That was, I think, one of the sort of big glaring problems with the the combat. Um, and I'm all for like Arkham style cloning, which they clearly had done. But like the fact that you could like pause a fight just by doing that, and I think you could even drain them for health, couldn't you? Eventually. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could, you can, I think you could, I'm pretty sure you could, like, you, you, I'm sure you got health back 
which was, yeah. yeah good. And then you could like get that ability that lets you fuck up a combo or take a, a, a hit or two and it wouldn't affect your, your combo meter. <laughs> so you just became goofily, goofily OP. But I still found that like I would become too, way too cocky. Go into an area with like 40 orcs, go right, this is fucking on. And then I'd die. And then you'd be like, oh, that's fucked. And the cool thing was, like, the payoff of that, obviously, was the Nemesis system. So that, that guy who killed you gets, like, promoted. Yeah. And then, and then you've got this fucking literal vendetta against this AI cunt who before was, like, you know, orc, dead orc number 2095, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, really clever system. But why I revisited is I always wanted to, like, I had to play it on PS4, and I probably would have got it on PC. Uh, but I played it on PS4 for review for OPS. Fucking love the shit out of it. Got it a couple of weeks, two or three weeks early, to the point where when I interviewed the guy at EB Expo just around when it was about to launch, I was like, can we talk about like shit after the game? <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, I finished it, yeah. So he didn't really want to. But but um, I never got to play the DLC, and it looked gorgeous on PS4, so I'm like, must be stunning on PC, right? So. Sure picked it up for i don't know how much five or six bucks maybe with the like dlc um during the steam sale and then accidentally like bought another version of it on a cd key website thinking i hadn't got it and ended up giving that to my girlfriend um Mm. because i'm like well she's got a new computer she should see this so got to download the ultra hd pack but what i really wanted was the dlc man so i've just started playing through the first round of uh dlc which is like cool i thought it would just add like really shitty modes but it's kind of the first round at least is um more story stuff and you've kind of got that end of end of game uh ranked up talion but you're rolling around with that cool little dwarf who i kind of found funny and doing missions with him taking down the beast masters who are these dudes who claim to be able to kind of like do what you do with the beasts in terms of like taming them oh yeah yeah but also like tougher enemies i don't recall uh, encountering guys who are sort of like called combat masters who are kind of immune to your combos um, and fight back pretty hard don't lose much health but then you know you instantly kill them with a like a caragol mount <laughs> which is hilarious but yeah still having fun with it and it's it's gorgeous it's fucking yeah. beautiful yeah that's a steam sale so you know what i mean like games that i've played before but like i've missed dlc or yeah i'm just curious to see like i wonder how good this looks sometimes you know wonder how good it looks on pc i wonder if my rig can run it in ultra um and it can (laughs) nice so yeah i I was like why the fuck not I'll, i'll spend five or six bucks on that and if i get a few hours out of it that's money well spent but the chances are good. I mean, I'm in open world mode at the moment, man. Like, fucking Witcher, and then this, and then, what, Deus Ex later this month? Hey, everyone, we have uh, jumped forward in time. It is now Tuesday, the 9th of August, 2016, uh, and Job is here with me. I am. We've lost Nathan, though. Yes. We, we also lost a lot of other things last last week. So, uh, you're listening to this now. We, we're tacking this on after um, after we recorded last week. But we, we actually had uh, some technical difficulties. And we're missing about an hour and a half worth of audio from last week. Mm. Um, so, now we're going to, I guess, talk about everything that we talked about last week. Minus the stuff that Nathan was 
was playing. Um, which is unfortunate because that was probably the best show we've ever done. Um, a lot of good content in there and no one will ever hear it. Yeah. It's a, it's a tragedy. It was only, you know, only us three got to hear it. Uh, this time I'm recording as well just to make sure. Um, but yeah, pretty uh, pretty gutted. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, at least we got the, the magic part saved and <laughs> the shadows of Mordor. But I had, I had some cracking rants. <laughs> we did, did you? Yeah. And oh, lost, you did. Lost what, forever now. What were we ranting about? Well, what were you ranting about? Was it? Was it Overwatch or something? Yeah, it's Overwatch, and don't worry, I got a new one lined up, so it's all good. We can still, you know, I can try and put the magic back together, but, you know. It's hard. It is, it's hard. Uh, and it's going to be a bit weird for us talking about the same thing twice. That's true. Uh, and trying to remember what we talked about. Anyway, I'm sure we'll, we'll do a, uh, a decent job. Um, decent job. Decent. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what... What did we talk about and what didn't? Because <laughs> Nathan talked about in like 15 other games. So yeah, uh, we had to scrap all of that. Unfortunately, he had to go see a... Is it a film premiere tonight or something like that? Is he? Yeah, he's at a sausage party. Okay. That's, that's a movie. That is a movie. I don't know if it's good, but he's at it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we'll, um, we'll go from there. And we'll put this out as soon as possible, this show. Um, I'll try and get this up tonight, and um, hopefully that will uh, get in people's ears, ear holes as soon as possible. Sorry, uh, but we won't record a second one for to release this week because that is um, a bit hard. Because we went away over the weekend and didn't did not really play many um, video games. So we played some board games. We did, we did play some board games, but um, yeah, otherwise we wouldn't have enough content for a normal show. So we'll just tack it onto the last one and, and go from there. Yep. And learn our lesson of having a backup recording or something like that. Yep. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I don't know what that happened. But, uh, no, the worst thing is that I usually do actually record. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I think I killed my Skype recording software to fix it ahead of another interview, a Skype interview I was doing. Mm. And uh, yeah, I didn't turn it back on again. So that's very annoying. Yeah, I need to look into how to record this stuff through like Audacity or or something like that so that I can keep an eye on it and make sure it's recording properly. Yeah. Rather than relying on some third-party software that could possibly flake out <laughs> an hour into the show. Yeah, we got to we got to work out something. Um yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um so what do we got? What do we got in the bag? What do we got to talk about? A lot. Let's talk about Dead by Daylight. Let's go from the top down. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, so we played a bit of this over the last uh, two weeks. Yep. Uh, new patches have dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two by the time we're now recording. Yep. Uh, 1.04 and 1.05 dropped, uh, I think, last Friday or Saturday. Yeah, yeah. While we were Saturday. away. Yep. Um, but I've, I've, I think we've, I've played um, the new one as well new patch um we both have i think yep yeah uh i don't remember have have we played the new patch together yeah we're playing on sunday when we go back oh okay yeah sorry um so yeah new patches have have dropped uh, a couple bug fixes some changes to maps um and a few other things we were mainly playing i think together as survivors and 
stomping quite a, a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, they. Um, one of the things we were complaining, oh, I was complaining about anyway. Uh, you, don't, you generally don't complain that much, but uh, I was complaining about was um, the idea of like survive uh, killers dropping, and it was still negating our survival bonus. Yeah, but they fixed that, which is awesome. Uh, it's I don't know. It's it's one of those games where they just keep fixing shit constantly but some of the like some of the most critical things that make me not want to play it uh they haven't actually they've never touched and and i think that's a problem which one's that uh the grind man the grind is it's too much they need to fucking i don't know i don't even know if halving how much shit costs on the blood web i don't even know if that would make the grind more palatable it's that fucking rough, man. Like, it just takes forever. Like, I'm at the point now where I'm deliberately just buying junk shit in my blood web. Just a little. So, so I can goad, yeah, goad the fucking the entity into. So, what happens is when you level up, you uh, you get, like, you when you finish a round, you get a bunch of points. So, let's say, on average, about 12,000. Um and use those points to then purchase items off this web on the level up screen. And uh, the items cost between 3,000 and 8,000 points, mm-hmm. um, which means, I mean, you know, the middle ground there is about five grand, uh, which means like if you're earning your average amount, which is 12,000, which if you don't escape as a survivor, you might not actually earn that much. You, you won't like there goes five grand straight up. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, you might have a really good run and earn way more. So, like, 12,000, middle ground, fair enough. That means you can buy, what, two 3,000-point things and one 5,000-point uh, mm-hmm. item. Um, that's That means, like, a blood web has, like, 15 items on it. It gets a lot, <laughs> uh, a lot more items as you progress. Yeah, and so if it's got like fifteen plus items on it, it's going to take you upwards, like easily more than uh, eight games because the outer items all cost eight thousand points. And so yeah, you've got to do all your three thousand pointers, and then all your five thousand pointers, and then your eight thousand pointers. And uh, by the time you get to the outskirts, yeah, like you're you're barely like earning a single item a game, which means it takes forever. And so instead, what you do is, uh, as you after you pass level ten, uh, the entity will come down and start to lock off items on the blood web, uh, which means that when you first enter a level, you've got to look at the blood web and decide what you really want from that that selection of items and then fucking go for it or the entity will block it off and you'll get fucked um it's an element of rng that i'm not crazy about but the fact that it'll take you so long to get there is what makes me really annoyed about it mm-hmm. and uh yeah like the 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 key problem is that uh i'm now yeah i will now try to i'll just buy the three thousand point things i'll get some the one perk on the fucking level that i have available to me even if it's fucking garbage and then i'll just try and buy small shit so the entity will come down and 
block off large sections of the fucking blood web so I don't have to buy them. Yep. And it's not like I don't want these items. It's just that there's no fucking point to it. Like, yeah, half of them are just like upgrades for items and shit. And yeah, that drives me bananas. It's not like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm at a significant disadvantage compared to players who have played for longer because they have access to more perks. Um, it's a, like we're not talking about a minor disadvantage. We're not talking about like Battlefield where, or like even fucking Rainbow Six, right? Where, oh uh, well, they've got a they've got a um, hollow sight on their gun, mm-hmm. and I, I have to deal with iron sights. So we're not talking about the difference between that, or you know they've got access to more operators. Uh, although you know by the time you've done the uh, opening missions, the single player. Uh, situations you should have access to like the six main decent ones anyway but mm-hmm. uh regardless like we're not talk- talking about something as simple as that we're talking about fucking the difference between having some fucking chance against a fully leveled up killer or getting fucked like <laughs> repeatedly yeah because you're like the sprint that i've got on uh, have unlocked Unlo- uh, it gives me the ability to sprint burst every 45 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I had the fully lo- unlocked one, it'd be every 30 seconds. And so 15 seconds might not seem like all that much, but I was two seconds away from getting away from a fucking killer with uh, no ED, whatever the fuck it stands for. No one uh, escapes death. No one escapes death. That's it. Yeah, yeah I was fucking two, <laughs> literally two seconds away from esca- uh, getting away from a killer who had no one escapes death the other night. And he got me, which means I would have had the fucking sprint available if if it was on a fucking 30-second cooldown, which means he had the advantage. He had a significant advantage. He was able to fucking kill me immediately. It was a fucking... That was like a one-shot kill. And, yeah. you know, the the ability for me to dodge fucking crows, not alert every fucking crow that I walk near, uh, is a huge fucking, huge deal against motherfuckers who are able to fucking talk to fucking animals. <laughs> able to Dr. Doolittle that shit. Like, it's just, yeah. Or people who are able to, like, sabotage hooks uh, is... I don't know. No. I don't, no, no forget sabotaging, because I, I don't think... I think sabotaging makes the ability to carry people forever important, not the other way around. I think sabotaging hooks, like, that's a that's a situation where if you're a low-level killer, you're incapable of dealing with a high-level survivor and not, not the vice versa. But because uh, what happens is eventually uh, su- survivors get the ability um, to sabotage hooks without using uh, a toolkit. A toolkit, which uh, it can be pretty fucking devastating. It can like wind up meaning that, uh, yeah, they're like all around the fucking map. Like there's just no hooks for the killer to take them to unless they're near the fucking basement, which is pretty rough. And so it means they have to get iron grasp, which allows them to carry the fucking killer for uh, the survivor for ages. I think they should just get rid of iron grasp and get rid of sabotage. But then. The character who teaches that fucking skill doesn't really have a special skill, does he? I guess. I don't yeah. Know. He could. No, he couldn't repair faster. That's too critical. I don't know. Something. So, but something has to change. I don't know. That shit doesn't work. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a significant disadvantage for me having not played 
300 hours of this fucking game. Yeah. But is that also, like, attributed to the matchmaking not being that great? Like, if you were being ranked up against low-level killers as a low-level survivor, yeah. that should balance it. But the fact that that's not happening, you're getting matched up against, uh, you know, you've got two perks or three at the moment, uh, and you're you're being matched up against killers that can have four. Yeah. Uh, yeah, four no, like, purples, baby. <laughs> like, def- that's definitely not ideal, mm-hmm. but they're not like they're not going to be able to fix the matchmaking uh, because, like, Dead by Daylight doesn't have like Counter Strike numbers or yeah. like even Rainbow Six numbers. I think so. It doesn't have the luxury of really splitting up the players that way. Um, so yeah. I, I think better matchmaking would definitely help it. And, like, the way the game released with the matchmaking in the state that it was is definitely subpar. But, yeah, it, it wouldn't fix it, I think. It'd still feel like a massive grind where I'm just doing shit to, like, fill in time until I can actually get something I want, which, yeah, I think sucks. They need to, like, I, yeah, like I said, I don't even know if halving the amount of points it shit costs would be enough yes yeah, so, so i'm at um i'm at like 65 to 70 hours i think in the game yep. uh and i have i'm at about 45 on my hillbilly yeah uh who's my main um uh killer mm-hmm. i haven't played any of the other ones so pretty much put most of that time into that and then my survivor is is meg meg yeah um, and she's at like 20 something. Yep. 25. Is that where it, I think? No, we're not at 25. 20? I'm at 19. So. Oh, okay. 19. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at 19 with her. Um, so yeah, it is quite a bit of a grind. Like I've got five other characters that I haven't spent any time with. Yeah. Um, possibly six, uh, shortly. It sounds like they're going to add a killer quite soon and a new killer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does take a while to get there. And I'm at the point now where um, I'm a rank two killer um, or I'm halfway through rank two. Mm. And um, like for me to go into back into a uh, another killer, um, one that I haven't used, I'm, I'm going to be sitting there with no abilities. Um, and that could be detrimental to my rank because that number is important to me for obvious reasons. Uh, I like I like the number. And <laughs> no, yeah. I, no I, I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It, it does take a while to kind of to kind of get in there and um, make your way through some of these guys. But I guess the advantage of grinding out some of the other guys is that once you're at that level, you can start unlocking teachable perks, which I don't think you're at that stage yet, Job, in your, in your game. No, but that means I have to get to like level <sighs> fucking 30. Yeah. With the fucking three other survivors. Yeah. Right? Like, how many fucking hours does Steam reckon I have in this game already? I've got 30 hours in this game already, and I would still need to play at least another, what, 10? Yeah, 10 plus to get to a point where I can start to teach my perks to fucking other survivors. And then I need to play all of them to teach the fucking perks. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, so I think they need to do something with the um, the amount of uh, points, blood points that you use in that web. 
Yeah. Because um, there are, like, the the balance in it is quite weird as well. Like, sometimes you'll have uh, certain items that are, like, 8,000 and then there's, like, a purple and... Sorry. Yeah, it's a purple or a pink. Um, there's two different types of colors. But they're all 8,000 and it's like, well... This is a very rare, unique item, and it's worth eight thousand points. But here's a rare one, and that's worth eight thousand points. Like, there's a weird balance there. Yeah. Um, you would think that the more unique one uh, would be quite, quite more expensive, at least. Um, but maybe they need to tweak that a bit. Maybe they need to drop the browns down to a, a thousand or two thousand, and start working, working through it that way. Um, yeah, that might work. Like. Even if they left some of the actually good shit expensive, right? If they made it so that you could actually bust through the lower shit a lot quicker, then it wouldn't be that big a problem, mm-hmm. I think. that's a, I think that's a really solid idea. Um, because, yeah, that way instead of... Uh, like, I think maybe halving everything or dropping everything to a third of what it is would be too drastic. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's an elegant solution. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I still, I still really enjoy the game. So like, it's, I I enjoy playing it. That Mm. is to say like, and, and I could see it having more legs if they fix some of this shit. Yeah. Like I could see, and it's one of those games, like it's like payday. It's, it's like payday in that, like I'll play the fuck out of it for now and I'll probably, get bored of the grind in a little bit and come back every time they release something new yep. until they piss it all away by trying to milk as much money out of the fucking player as possible. I'm not saying they're definitely going to do that, but that's what Payday did. So, you know, if they're going to continue to follow the uh, the path. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it's been, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I, um, I played a bit more yesterday and the day before. Um, which was good. Uh, I got called a cheater, um, which I talked about the last show that we yep. lost. Um, someone added me on Steam uh, mm-hmm. after I wiped out his three stack of, I think they were rank five or six. I can't really remember, but we were pretty close in ranks. Um, yeah, and I wiped out his his uh, his group and uh, he was not impressed. So he added me yeah. and started calling me a, a war hacker or something like that, <laughs> um, which was quite funny. But yeah like there's still things they need to work on like the um i think there needs to be a better reporting system in the game for people that are um blatantly cheating i've had a couple people that i've noticed that have have, have been blatantly cheating uh oh you had someone who was running faster than than you were as a yeah like fast the survivor was running there faster than the killer right yeah i also had that um last night as well wow um and I, they were like rank one survivors and i was like uh, both of these people, I'm pretty sure they weren't the same person, but this is like one was a week ago and this one was a um, was last night. But uh, yes, the the actual uh, survivors can't outrun a a killer in terms of their normal speed. It's their their perks that can allow them to run quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this person was just like flat out running quicker than me. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't I couldn't even catch up to them. Um, the idea is that you should be able to, um, you know, even if you're running around corners and that sort of stuff without going through uh juke's box spots or anything uh you should eventually catch up to them um and you'll notice like 
as soon as I looked at this person, I was chasing them. I knew something wasn't right because it just didn't look right, the animation on them. Um, and they haven't made it to a point where it's like they are like warping around the map type thing, like running super quick. It's just a little bit more than what the killer can run. So you can't actually get to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I actually noticed someone else had that same thing uh, last night when I was playing, but I set up a few um, really rude traps for them. Um, oh. Just by, because I've got my NCDS down to two, uh, three seconds, I think it is now. Um, I think they buffed that on the weekend. Let me just check. Yeah, they did. Um, so Insidious is the one where if you don't move for a certain amount of seconds, you become uh, your heartbeat becomes invisible. Um, your, mm. your terror radius. So the survivor doesn't know you're nearby. So I've got that max at the moment. So it's two seconds. So I can. Um, play a little bit with that sometimes when people are trying to juke and it can be quite fun uh but otherwise like i think they need to yeah fix some sort of reporting system in there there still are people that are disconnecting sometimes and then that can be annoying because even though they've added like as a killer a quitters bonus as a survivor um if you leave the game the killer will get i think it's twelve thousand points um sorry 1200 points uh and that that may seem like a lot, but sometimes you want to use that killer or that that person as bait, or leave them on the ground, or like, um, yeah, like play with them a little bit as <laughs> in terms of uh, baiting other people, and uh, you can get more points for that eventually. But I think what they need to do is have some sort of system in there so that if you do disconnect, not only are you losing points, but you you lose the ability to um, play for a certain amount of time. Maybe 15 minutes or maybe if it's multiple, like if you do it two times in a row, then uh, all right, you are now out for half an hour. Uh, if you do it three times, then you are now out for an hour. Um, and it gets to the point where it keeps scaling up. I think I think um, uh, like Siege does something similar with team killing. If you on your first offense, it's like half an hour. Um, you know, half an hour wait time. Or then yep. if you do it a couple more times, and you, you eventually get to a point where you can get like banned for a week or two um so there doesn't seem to be any sort of anti-cheat or anti-griefing in the game which i think they should address a bit better yeah um because a couple of times i've had people do that and i've been like fuck and then looked up their name and and um there's and- definitely anti-cheat yeah um, oh, is there yeah okay because uh, i remember they it what there wasn't when uh, i was reviewing it ah and they implemented it uh, just after my review went live or something. Okay. I don't know. Maybe but it doesn't tell I don't, the game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's fantastic or whatever, but mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I definitely I, need some anti-griefing shit. I, yeah. I've been frustrated a couple of times where I've looked up players on Steam and been like, fuck. And then notice that their wall is like completely open and I can write on it. I just felt like, oh man, I can just go to town with these dickheads. <laughs> uh, but also there are people that I've recognized names of. Like it's gotten to that stage where I had one dude last night disconnect on me twice because mm. um, I got him both times and both times he disconnected. Yep. Uh, and he was in a, a group with other people as well. Um, yeah, just, just shit like that is like can be, can be quite uh, annoying. Mm. And it'd be good if those people weren't around anymore to play it. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully they, they start working on that a bit more. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like it. It's, I think it's one of those games we'll keep playing. 
keep uh, tracking the progress on. Hopefully, they never stop trying to fix it. Um, I think that's the most positive thing about it is that they are clearly committed. Hmm. By now, I'm convinced they're clearly committed. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, Siege. So we talk about Siege then. Siege. Totes. New patch came out last week. Yep. Uh, Skull Rain. Was that Skull the name of the patch? Raid? Rain? Rain. One or the other. Skull Rain. Yeah. Um, in honor of the Olympics, it's set in Brazil. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yes. I like it. I've only played the new map once. I have not played it. <laughs> of the way that their stupid fucking map rotation bullshit works. Uh, you never get to play the new maps as much as you'd like. They've, and then uh, suddenly it's all up. your fucking play over and over again. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's this amazing map where it like feels like um, Hereford. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's all sort of stacked in the center. Uh, everything sort of goes on in the center, except all the walls are destroyable. And, uh, yeah, like, when shit goes down, it just feels like everything is being, being shredded. Like, grenades are fucking blowing holes through walls, ceilings, roofs, fucking... Sorry, ceilings and roofs are the same thing. Ceilings, floors, like, fucking holes everywhere. Bullets are pissing through you're like if you're on hostage you're trying to not like shoot the hostage while you're spraying at someone on in the room next to the hostage like yeah it's pretty fucking awesome um it really highlights how important it is for like defenders to reinforce the right walls which is cool because uh, you get the opportunity to set up the attackers a lot more uh, when all the walls are reinforceable. Um, you you got to pay a lot of fucking attention mm-hmm. to tiny little holes that defenders can look through, which is pretty cool. Uh, the new attackers, uh, new operators rather, are interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. I I feel like the chick defender who is able to run really silent, she's pretty interesting in that, like, key to playing as her is to basically fuck off. Like, get as far away from the objective as possible because you know that teams don't sweep through the entire map because there just isn't enough time. And so teams will sort of localize and sweep around the areas that are relevant to their objective but where possible they will um they'll like skip as many rooms as possible to use hereford as an example again uh if the like if the hostage was in the basement you wouldn't start at level three um and so as as the uh new defender chick your best bet is to hide up on level three Mm-hmm. And then once they get in and once you hear shit has started going down, you run down behind. And because you're 95% silent, like you make such, such little noise that, uh, yeah, you can full blown get in behind the other, uh, like the attackers 
take them down and uh, then find out where all their teammates are. Uh, the only problem is that it can be complicated when your teammates go for the kill. Yep. Like they get thirsty for the kill and they see the downed person and you're standing right there and you're about to interrogate them and instead your teammate will fucking shoot them so that they get the fucking kill points. Um, that is one of the least helpful things. Like it's it, it, like it's hilarious, right? Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Like your teammates shitting the bed so they can snake after a kill is very funny. At least when they have a sense of humor about it and they're not doing it just to be cocks. But um, yeah. On the other hand, uh, yeah, it could be like you could really help your team if you could see that shit. So. Yeah, uh, on the attacking side, the dude has with the crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck, that's an interesting weapon. Uh, <laughs> I used it to interesting effects, I think, because uh, instead of using it, like I did, I shot, shit, I shot a teammate with it, which was uh, a mistake and they died very quickly. <laughs> but um, I also uh, was using it to, like, in Cafe Dostoevsky, uh, Dostoevsky. Um, they like one of the attackers was hiding down behind the metal benches in the kitchen, and uh, I shot the wall behind him where I figured he would be, and he died. Um, it's uh, a huge um, area denial ability in a kid's bedroom on house. Uh, we jumped in to capture the point. And I just shot the floor in front of the door. And it's the only option. It's the only option for entry for the team um, if they haven't blasted the wall through to the master bedroom, which means that's it. They're done. Like, they can't come in. So, like, if they try to come in, they're coming through a doorway, which we're already covering. uh, But, like, they have even less chance because they're running through hot, hot fire. So, uh, yeah. He's pretty interesting. I didn't use his smoke because I never use smoke. But uh, smoke grenades, I mean. Um, but he is actually like speaking of smoke. He's he's pretty similar to the oper- the defender operator smoke yep. in that area. Of denial is key to what he does. He's just able to really send the dart in a direction. Like smoke is sort of lobbing it and kind of close range. But uh, yeah, he aims pinpoint precision fuck shit up yeah and he's good for doing it on um like like you push into an area and just lock people down from getting back into it yeah so it's quite quite good in terms of that yeah i can see him <coughs> getting a lot of playtime. i don't know about the chick character no, um i don't I see him like, getting any well i i just think there's too much like too many strong defenders already um like especially like with the buffs to cap cam and mutes and you already need Rook. Uh, I don't know why you'd stop picking Valk. And uh, yeah. And then someone else. Hmm. You could go Frost. You could go her. You could go fucking anyone though. You could go Castle. Because Castle's got a fucking awesome gun. And his utility is pretty fantastic. Like you could go basically the entire rest of the roster. Except for Tachanka. So yeah. Yeah. Like she's a super fat. Like in terms of. Her ability, it's it's probably one of the best in the game, but in a, in a, like to trigger that takes, 
you know, you could go rounds without it even happening. And, and whether yeah. or not that's worth it, it's like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. You uh, can have, you can have castle windows up every fucking round, but you might, you probably won't. Yeah. Did we say what she does? Uh, I sorry, I don't think I did. <laughs> I, yeah. think I said she runs really silent, but while she's running silently, uh, if you go up to a enemy who's in a down but not out state, uh, you grab them and you kill them. But while you kill them, you interrogate them, mm. and uh, their like teammates' positions are spectacularly highlighted where they are and where they're moving at that point and what class they are like who's playing what yeah you can just fucking see them uh you can't see outlines or anything uh just their icons but you can see exactly where they are at all times on on the new map it is fucking hilariously useful because you don't even need murder holes throughout all the outside walls the moment they walk past one it's just fucking because you don't get notified either apparently um you do oh you do yeah it comes up on your screen and tells you that you've been um compromised oh really yep i've never i've never had it happen to like a teammate i've had it happen i was the one who was killed and uh i've been on the same side when it's happened but yeah i never had it so uh i thought nate was saying yeah but uh okay so it tells you that, yeah you well fair enough that would you just fucking hit the deck right <laughs> you pretty much panic as soon as that happens because yeah, you're like fuck, fuck just, look uh, like fuck. run uh, because, they know where I am. yeah they know where you are and the fact that like the game is you can shoot through walls <laughs> yeah um so it's like shit find some concrete and hide yeah uh yeah uh, yeah, a lot of other changes though. They've added some more um, uh, attachments or a more a attachment to, to the gun to make the um, the sights come up a bit quicker. Oh right, the the slanted um, grip. Yeah, the new grip. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use it. It could be something that's used at um, maybe competitive level, but for me, uh, I would prefer to have recoil reduction. For- yeah which is what i'd usually go with um yeah i don't know i haven't really tested it maybe i should check it out and see how much quicker it actually is yeah it'd have to be significantly faster considering how much recoil it adds Mm. or not adds i suppose fails to negate yeah yep uh they also put in a a new mode um like a, a, a hardcore mode or something like that um yeah. where it pretty much just removes a lot of the the ui uh objects um so you don't get to see things like your ammo counts um uh who's on your team who, who's left alive uh friendly identifiers um and also the way it handles uh bullets as well like reloading uh like if you get rid of a clip that's that's still got bullets in it then you lose those bullets uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, have you checked that out at all yet? No, it's only in custom games, and you need like fucking people know, to play it. Ten people. So sounds like cool mode. I I just don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. You, you'd have to be communicating really well for that sort of thing to happen. Yeah, mainly because you you don't know um, who's a friendly and who's not, and I don't know if I'm good enough at that game to to be able to differentiate. The two, yeah. I, I would probably just murder everybody. Oh, yeah. um, in a game where, it looked like Counter Strike, something like that, I I could do it that way. But because the people in this game, um, I guess because I've played it for so long and I just 
I, I kind of know who to shoot for and who not to shoot for. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd go very well in that mode at all. Yeah. I can definitely see myself picking off my entire team at one stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else was there? Um, balance changes. Uh, um, a lot of UI changes as well. Like they, they fixed up the scoreboard. Um, your loadout selection screen has been changed so you can kind of see what everybody else is picking and what items they're taking with them which can be uh, a lot more helpful. You're not running into like, um, you know, you don't have your whole team picking shield operators or anything like that. You can mix things up a bit more. Um, yep. What else was there? Um, I don't know. I think that's it. I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of stuff to added, but... Tiny stuff, yeah. I haven't really had a ch- chance to check it out. Uh, from what I was reading, there is another patch coming at the end of this month. Right. Um, it seems like they're going to do one every two weeks or so. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping they buff Tachanka, eh? That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're um, changing two heroes or two operators. So my guess would be Tachanka might get one, considering right. he's one of the least played heroes at the moment. I think operators. I saw some stats that it was like 6% well, usage. Well, maybe um, lower. Siege releases them. <laughs> right. Um, whenever they do updates, they're kind of pretty upfront about it, saying like, yeah. hey, uh, here's why we changed this operator, um, and here's kind of what we're hoping will happen. Um, they mm. did that last time with with the last buffs that they put out for like, um, uh, was it Pulse um, and Capcan being like, hey, these guys are, are pretty low-used heroes, operators. Keep going, fucking heroes. Um and, uh, you know, we're going to try and fix that a little bit, and here's why. So, yeah, at least it, it, they can um, put some stats behind it to, to let everybody know what's going on, which is awesome. Yep. Still, still kicking goals with that game. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do next season because um, mm. we're coming up to the end of the first season very shortly. Right. I think one more patch and... Uh, yeah, that would be their first season. Hopefully, oh, one more operator set. You mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what do they do from there? Do they release? Um, like it's just, definitely doing a season two season pass, I believe. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's making them a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah, it's got a huge player base. So why not? Mm-hmm. All right. What else we got? Do you want to rant about Overwatch? Let's talk about it. Yeah. I've not, I've not played this uh, latest update that they put out yet, so you'll have to yell about it. Okay. Uh, first things first, I'm sure everyone's sick of listening to me <laughs> wank on about how much I hate this game and still bring it up every fucking week. <laughs> you'll be pleased to know that I've uninstalled Overwatch. Wow. Yep. It's gone. It's gone from my computer. Um, I had a moment last night where I realized I was just shy of reaching rank 98. Uh, so I nearly nearly prestiged. I very rarely prestige in games. Um, nearly prestiged. And I was thinking, like, fuck, if I make it to 98, I'll get a free fucking box, free loot box. Um, so that'll be cool. And I can check out some of this, you know, this new shit. Oh. Uh, the Summer Games shit. Uh, like, why not, right? Like, I refuse to give them any fucking money 
for a game that I have complained about nonstop. Um, so, and, and I don't believe that they are fixing in, in ways that I, th- I think is good. So I, I, the only way I'm going to get one of these boxes is by leveling up. Um, and yeah, so uh, I worked out I need about three games and the three games I had in competitive were three of the most co- toxic games I've ever experienced in my entire fucking life. Just awful shit, man. Like, just terrible. Like, terrible people. Um, the first first game, we had a guy whose name was Genji only. And he picked Genji on attack and defense, unsurprisingly. Uh, refused to play any other role. Um, and I don't think that would have been so bad... Because uh, he seemed like a fairly decent Genji, but our my entire team couldn't couldn't like let it go, couldn't lose like it could not stop focusing on him playing Genji. Like the amount of times I wrote guys just fucking let it go and play the game, uh, and they couldn't, they just couldn't, and so we lost uh, in spectacular fashion. Uh huh. It was on Hollywood, and we just got the shit stomped out of us on defense. Uh, on offense, uh, I made a heroic uh, play as fucking um, Diva to keep us in it, to cap the fucking point and hold the fucking um, hold the objective so that we could actually get the payload going, but we barely made it around the first corner. Uh, after that, because they still couldn't fucking focus. They're like, oh, we should have fucking lost it already because fucking Genji guy. I'm like, shut the fuck up and play the fucking game. Mm. Like, just fucking focus, you pricks. <laughs> uh, so there was that one. The second game, uh, we had a three stack uh, of players and they all immediately went DPS classes. Um, and we we're on defense to start. They all immediately went attacking defense. Uh, so no Junkrat, uh, even though I think, personally, I think Junkrat is critical for defense, uh, at least when I play him, because I was fucking good at him. But um, yeah, no, they were, we, were, we had a McCree, a Reaper, and a Genji. Uh, and yeah, they were, they then like just shit talk us, uh, like, because the other three of us had to be tank and healers. Uh, so I'm... I'm there doing my best to keep them alive as Reinhardt. Uh, but, you know, the two of them are fucking flankers, so they flank constantly. And Al McCree thought he was a flanker as well. So, uh, yeah, they're all just flanking their fucking buttholes off. On defense, no less. Uh, I'm trying to hold a fucking choke point by myself. And the healers, unsurprisingly, decided that they didn't want to go fucking chase down three fucking flankers. And so they were just sticking to me. And every time I'd be like, guys, just come stand behind the shield and we'll do some shit. Nah, didn't matter. Like, no, the fucking healers aren't even going to heal us anyway. <laughs> fucking raging, like dickholes. And then on, on attack, they auto-picked again. That's okay. We're on attack this time. At least they picked offensive fucking characters. But once again, all three of them are fucking like, out there doing whatever the fuck it is they do, flanking their buttholes off. This was on Volsky Industries. <laughs> All three of them went around to the left path. All three of them died very fucking quickly because, of course, they fucking did. And, uh, yeah, 
Like, what the fuck? Uh, oh, my God. And then um, I had to have a fourth game um, because three games didn't, like, wound up not being enough to earn. I, I, I'd figured I'd get at least one win out of <laughs> my three games and I'd get my first win of the day bonus. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I needed a fourth win. Uh, just, it was a, a four stack on my team. And uh, me and the other guy, like they just kept directing me as to what to what I had to do. They're like, "Joby, oh, Joabby, you've got to be a tank." I'm like, "Okay, fine, that's fine, whatever. I'll do whatever." Um, I go, I start as Diva, switch to Winston at one point because uh, we needed to be able to bust through. We're on Volsky Industries again. I'm attacking. Um, yeah. The mercy, like I had to literally beg one of the healers to come with me so I could actually survive anything at all. And the mercy that came with me refused to boost me. Uh, so, like, just a terrible mercy. That that sucks. Um, and then the fourth game, um, yeah, we had me as the tank and five people who went DPS. Mm-hmm. And nobody went healer. Uh, and everyone flat out refused to change. And yeah, unsurprisingly, we lost. That was Route 66. Uh, but I got my level. And so I opened <laughs> it up. I opened up my uh, sweet pack. And a fucking yellow disc is in the fucking mix. Got a, two blues and a yellow and a white. What what fortune. And it flips over and it's coins. <laughs> And that is literally the moment I uninstalled the game. <laughs> because I'll tell I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's not it's not enough, right? It's not bad enough that there is a fucking legendary reward that is coins, but this is a fucking box pack, right? That you cannot buy in the game with with coins or anything like that. You can only buy it with real world money. You can't buy the contents with uh, with coins. Right, so I've got two thousand something coins, but I can't buy any of the shit that comes out of the Summer Games box with coins. I can't get the Zaya skin, the only, literally the only decent Zaya skin that's ever come out. I can't get the Lucio soccer skin or anything like that. No fucking chance, because they can only be gotten through these boxes, which means they are only available to people who pay or people who level up a lot, and that's fine. But I'm at, like. I actually, I'm pretty close to getting a lot of levels really quickly because I could prestige and then whatever, but it's disgusting. I can't, I can't fucking swallow it. I cannot fucking handle them specifically seeding the boxes with shit that you can't even fucking use. And it is so, so predatory. Like this is literally Nick Xenophon went on a fucking crazy rant that nobody could really decipher the other week about how Counter-Strike is gambling and all this shit. And, like, if we meet him more than halfway, I can understand what he's talking, what Nick Xenophon is talking about, right? But the reality of the situation is that Counter-Strike itself isn't actually gambling. And there were... It facilitated gambling. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, maybe he's talking about microtransactions linked to uh, random RNG boxes in mobile games, which isn't really Counter-Strike, but sort of, but whatever. Okay. And then 
you actually look at oh, how Overwatch does this shit, and they are deliberately targeting targeting people who treat cosmetics in game as attainable items that they need to collect. And they are abusing that compulsion that people have. They are abusing it. They are straight up abusing it. And it's fucking disgusting. And so I'm like, fuck it. You know what? If they're going to give me coins that I can't use to purchase shit, they don't deserve any more of my time. That's like literally the fucking straw for me. I'm done. I'm done forever with this fucking game. Um, because, yeah, that's it's gross. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I shut it down. So you don't want to play any tonight? No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, yeah, like, did you stop your disc? Uh, no, I didn't have a disc. I did actually have a disc. Oh. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a bit of a like it's a bit of a hollow fucking gesture because I could have it back on my computer in fucking an hour tops, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, my internet's baller. Actually, I should, let's let's just quickly give. Uh, heads up to anyone who's on internode, by the way, uh, you should check if you've got the MBN and you're on internode and you're listening to us, you should check if you can upgrade to the unlimited plan because there is an unlimited plan on internode and uh, it's cheaper than the biggest. Like I'm now on unlimited uh, with 100 down, 40 up. Mm-hmm for cheaper than what it cost me to have a terabyte at 5020. Yeah. Yeah, that they put a- new plans out like 2 weeks ago. Awesome heads up there, Luke. Hmm. Um but yeah. Yeah, it's uh but yeah. So I could have it really quickly, but it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm just so fucking grossed out at how aggressively they're pursuing just people with poor impulse control. Because uh, I always sort of, I don't know, I always expected better than them, better of them. Like, I, I didn't feel like, I always felt that Hearthstone was not, uh, it wasn't doing it the best, but at least it was like, it was a collectible card game up front and, mm. you know, that's what the game is about and all that kind of shit. Um, so I could sort of swallow it, um, like, Purchasing shit is sort of ingrained into the concept of collectible card games. Yeah. But this is a game that people are supposed to purchase for full price. And yeah, you don't get any advantage. No, but people compulsively collect that shit and they are abusing the fuck out of that. And yeah, that's too much for me. Like add that on to the fact that like the competitive game isn't where it should be. Uh, They look to have like they seem to have no interest in fixing a lot of the problems that i've identified well it's been uh, like three months right well, yeah even over three months we, we talked about sweet problems before we it was released and how it wouldn't really be a competitive game but they've said on a number of occasions that they're not interested in changing it that yeah so like yeah. What you what do you lizard knows best right and yeah i, I don't know i don't see like it's it's so interesting the contrast to Dead by Daylight, where I see them actively trying to change, and it's not fantastic that they released it in the state it was in, and it's not fantastic that it seems like they might not have the strongest idea of what they're doing, but they're listening and they're willing to change, and they're not 
arrogant enough to think that they know everything first. They know everything all the time. Yeah. So, and then even like you look at what Blizzard did with Diablo and that game turned out amazing after they addressed all the changes, but that was them acknowledging that there were problems. Um, and this just seems to be like the people that are running that just aren't acknowledging those issues at all. And, and I think the problem is that I think the problem is that people like have been crying out for this sort of game and like people have been crying out for the ultra accessible shooter. Everyone wants to be involved in Counter-Strike, but you jump in a Counter-Strike and it's a bunch of guys who have been playing since they were fucking 12 and it's impossible. Like, never mind, like, ignore the fact that they only ever played Dust 2, but like, yeah, they're all like fucking headshot machines and they can counter the fucking recoil patterns and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's inherently inaccessible despite being dramatically simplistic the fact of the matter is the skill ceiling on King Counter-Strike is naturally fucking very high and so as a result the skilled players are capable of just ruining people and the skill ceiling isn't that high in Overwatch and the skill floor is relatively low like relatively relative to fucking other shooters and so yeah They've struck struck gold. They've struck gold because they're the first ones to market with this sort of thing. Even though they aren't like obviously Team Fortress has existed for a long time, but it, like Team Fortress players are, are getting a bit sick of Team Fortress. They're sick of how Valve is treating Team Fortress because it's sort of an also ran sort of thing. And the reality is that yeah, basically Overwatch is the only thing doing what Overwatch does. And so yeah, they they. At the moment, all anyone tells them is that they're kicking ass. They're doing it right. And so, yeah, they get convinced that they're doing it right. And they only listen to the positive feedback. They only listen to the people saying they're doing it right. Because I think it becomes very easy to hear any negative feedback as just haters, especially when you work for a company like Blizzard. But it's a mistake that Blizzard has made, like, fucking repeatedly over and over and over time and time again. And it's always taken some sort of drastic fucking thing to make them open their eyes and realize that they're fucking up. Like it's always taken something like Diablo 3 1.0. And like, even at the start of that, even when Diablo 3 1.0 came out, they're like, nah, everyone's wrong. We're doing this right. Like we've got this, we've got this. Don't worry about it. We're, we're on point about this. You'll mm. see, okay? You'll see, you just don't get it yet, but you'll you'll get it soon, okay? You're a bit dumb, but you'll get it soon and everything will be cool. And meanwhile, you know, a few a handful of people are, are saying, "No, this isn't how Diablo is supposed to be. This isn't how loot chasing games are supposed to work." And they're like, "No, no. You'll see. You'll get it. You'll get it." And eventually and you know, numbers dry up and it's like, "Oh, okay." Um Maybe we need to make a change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's happened with World of Warcraft, a, I don't know, fucking six times now, right? And they always, like, they'll make some dramatic change and they're like, yeah, we've learned a lot from our mistakes in the past. Every single fucking expansion since fucking, what, like, Wrath of the Lich King has been precluded, like, uh, with the fucking phrase, yeah, we've learned a lot of mistake, uh, from our mistakes. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's like, well, okay. 
so what's your plan then? You're going to make the same ones again? And they're like, well, no, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll change this. And then the next expansion drops and they're like, well, we've learned a lot from our mistakes. And it turns out that they're just going to make the mistakes they made fucking two expansions ago. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, Blizzard is convinced that they do everything right. They remind me a lot of fucking Hooli from Silicon Valley. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you haven't watched Silicon Valley? No, no. Oh, you, dude, watch Silicon Valley. Watch it while you're fucking, I don't know, waiting for a lobby in fucking Dead by Daylight. It's spectacular. It's a spectacular show. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Rad. Um, so that's Overwatch. That's <laughs> probably the- forever. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Probably the last time we hear about Overwatch. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, Dungeon Raid. Dungeon um, Raid. Here's an actual new one that we uh, we played while we were away from Civilization over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Civilization. We'll come to that later. Um, this is uh, Nathan's fault, this one, right? Yes, it is. He was. He had it on his phone and was like, hey, check this game out. Um, yeah, and it's basically like a match, a match three game where you are um, trying to kill bosses. <laughs> yep. And you're collecting coins and up- upgrading your character. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty, it. pretty simple. Um, but with this one, it's it's kind of like a like you trace using your finger to... Um, it's a fun game. Um, to like draw an outline around your matching. But you can keep continuing. Like you can do a giant line. So anything that kind of connects um, within that space, you can keep going. So you do these big combos in there. And the bigger the combos are, the more the more points you get or the more whatever it is you're after. So there's things like attacking, um, there's shield bonuses, there's potions for health. Um, what else is there? Yeah, that's it. Those three. There's Before. another one. Gold. Yeah, gold. Yeah. Gold, attack, shields, health. Yeah. Super basic, very basic game. Um, yep. Seen it done many, many times, but it's still, still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's got a couple problems, but what are what are your thoughts on it so far? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's a buck, it's a, a dollar game, yeah. um, and I enjoy it. Um, it's I don't know. It's one of those like as a match three game. You know, it's one of those ones where you have to, you get to draw lines, and so you can make a path Mm-hmm. out of whatever you want you don't need them to be specifically three or anything like that you can just as long as they're next to one another in an adjoining yeah yeah diagonal as well you can like link them up and that's pretty cool um i think it's really obscure as to how certain shit works like there's different classes and stuff in the game yeah that, i don't know man like fucking i don't know how they fucking work um, I don't know how different. Like, I know how different classes work. I've got like four of them now. I've got a raider, a uh, warrior, a mage, and a rogue, a paladin. No, oh, no okay. rogue. Um, but I don't. I like. I don't know how I level them up. I don't know how I get specifically get new ones. So I just sort of fucking. I just play the game over and over until I see how I go. Basically, mm. um, yeah, it's very like it doesn't 
<laughs> like I don't understand what you're supposed to be doing in that that customization screen with your heroes and mm. and kind of um, changing what they can do. I, it doesn't seem to work whenever I click on anything. Mm. Uh, and I've only just leveled up one of my other characters, uh, and I don't really understand how that happened. It just seems to be either like some sort of random occurrence that seems to pop in. Right. Um, and that's the same for like getting new heroes as well. Like I don't understand what I'm doing to get them other than I'm just playing it and it, it could be random. So how did, how did you level up? I don't know. It just, I killed something and then it left a trophy and I clicked on it. Oh, so levels are via trophies. That's fucking dumb. And it, and it was like, oh, you've now ranked up. Like I killed a boss or something. Yeah. And it was like, all right, here's a trophy. And it ranked me up that way. And I was like, well, why did I get one for that one? Yeah. But like the game ended and it wasn't like it was a new high score for me or anything. I was, you know, just playing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the bit about the game that I'm not liking. It just seems very random. Yeah. Um, still like as a raider, I think it's raider. Raider's the class that I use that I have a lot of success with. Yeah. Um, I have this, hang on, is it that one? Yeah. You have to be like a certain race. You have to be a, a halfling and halflings, uh, get plus one to their max armor when they kill 15 enemies in one attack. Okay. Which is pretty great, but they're bad. Like the bad thing is that three tiles matching only three tiles gives you shit all nothing at all. Um, and, and so it's like, it's basically a game where you're deliberately matching three tiles just to get rid of tiles. So you don't actually get anything out of them. Mm-hmm. But instead, what you're trying to do is fill up your board with as many coins and enemies as possible, trying to stay alive. And then there's a spell you can get. You've got your spells at the top of the screen. There's a spell you can get, which turns every single coin into an enemy. Yep. You punch that and then... Hopefully, if you've got your board set up correctly, you can link all of them all at once and they all die and you get fucking, you get an extra armor. And so, like, I'm play, I played as a paladin and I've got fucking, I'm struggling to have eight armor. Meanwhile, as this halfling fucking raider, um, I'm rocking, like, 33 fucking armor at all times, just constantly. Uh, I've always got buttloads of armor and all that kind of shit. And, uh, that's what I got my best score on. My best score is 8,563, uh, which I feel is quite high because it's double my second best score. So uh, I'm happy with it. Um, yeah. It's, um, I don't know. You, it's interesting to think so far out of the box. Because when you're that guy, when you're the radar, the first couple of first 15 or so moves, you're just like hovering above like death, like barely above death. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to check out some of these other um, uh, characters because like I've got three unlocked at the moment. Um and I don't really like you. You said you've got four, but you've level. You haven't leveled up any of them, right? No. So yeah. why have I leveled up one of them and you haven't? Yeah, like that's what I, I just don't get. What what's happening? And it's not very 
Um, like it doesn't give you much information about how that works. Maybe it does. I just haven't looked at it. Maybe, maybe there's a help section that I should uh, go and read. But I shouldn't have to read. Like it should just make it obvious in the game what's going on. Um, there's yeah. a tutorial, but Not so I don't well. feel like I need to play the tutorial yeah. <laughs> to play oh. a match three game. Yeah, and the tutorial doesn't... I, I played it for a bit. It didn't really explain shit, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, um, that was what we played. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, what about uh, Near, Near Death? Near Death. Near Death's an interesting little game. Um, it's... It caught me, caught my eye, because it was described as a... Not a survival game but a game about surviving. And that sounds like a really wanky phrase now that I say it out loud. But um, yeah, it's sort of like, it's this game where you're in a plane crash in the Antarctic and uh, you sort of crash next to a defunct research base and you've got to get the base back online so that you can try and live long enough to for someone to rescue you. And uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Um, it's this game about, like, it's got a very simplistic crafting system, but mostly what you're doing is trying to manage your heat. So you've got, like, resources like your torch and a lantern, a gas lantern that sort of heats you up, like a portable stove that you can use to heat up a room. But you've also, like, you're running around and picking up canvas sheeting so you can patch up windows and stuff like that. And it's, like, the game is about trying to work out... I don't know. I sort of treat it... I treat the cold like it's oxygen. Mm. Uh, So if it was a game about swimming underwater then you would be like making sure that the room was had like was sealed so that you could have oxygen in it. Uh, and then you go out and you hold your breath for as long as possible and you try to do some shit out in the cold and then you get back to safety as, as fast as you can. And it's about managing situations where you could possibly find yourself in a bad position. So, you want to like be prepared basically you want to be prepared with enough gas in case your lantern runs out or sorry your stove runs out you want to be prepared with a window patch in case you get into a room and you're freezing and you desperately need the the heat but you and, and you don't have time to patch a window before you die or to create a window patch rather so you want to have that window patch already created if you can. And then you can just straight up patch it and get the stove down and try and heat back up and stuff like that. And uh, like it's it's a game like it, it's not especially good looking, but it has a lot of there's a lot of attention to detail that I like. Like uh, you can see like a lot of in-game stuff that tells you there's a gauge on your stove that tells you as gas like sort of runs out and that's sort of on the item itself. There's nothing on your heart or anything like that. It's just sort of stuff, information you derive from the game itself and you work it out as you go along. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting little game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems, I don't know if the survival element wasn't in it, 
it'd be a walking simulator, right? Um, but I don't know. Apparently, a halfway decent survival element is all I need to remain engaged with the game. That said, the story doesn't seem terribly interesting. The, like, it sort of seems like a placeholder more than anything. It's just sort of there to justify your existence and uh, direct you as to where to go next and stuff like that more than it is to tell a story. And so, I don't know, I guess I wouldn't rate the game that highly because if you're playing it just for the survival, the survival is an infinite but if you're playing it for to survive to accomplish something, then what you're accomplishing isn't all that interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but it's still cool. Yeah did you, did you ever go back to um uh what was that other game? The uh, Long Dark. The Long Dark. Because I think you mentioned that last week, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because it reminds me aesthetically of the Long Dark, uh, despite. It doesn't actually share that much in common. Like, yes, you can die of the cold in Long Dark, but, yeah, it's not, like, super similar. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, I haven't been back to the Long Dark in a while. But Yeah, I wonder how much might. that's changed. Yeah, might be worth checking out. Because mm. I don't think that's out still, right? I don't. Let me check. Um, no. <laughs> Oh, version four, point 3.349 yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I bought that two years ago <laughs> yeah right Me well too. <laughs> yeah I think we bought it around the same time <laughs> yeah I'd say so yeah but yeah cool uh, so that's near death mm-hmm. what else we got starbound Starbound, speaking of survival games. Uh, something that you can play while you're playing, waiting for No Man's Sky. Yep. Uh, I have a feeling that Starbound might might be a little bit deeper than No Man's Sky. Um, yeah, so I've been playing Starbound a bit more, mm-hmm. um, checking out mods and stuff like that and just sort of dicking around and trying to explore interesting planets and i started work on a, on a more complex base um on a ocean planet uh that was fun because uh, i had to set up the frame at the bottom of the sea and then build it up as far as possible and sorry the foundation not the frame foundation and then build it up and then create the base portion remove all the water uh, create like an airlock system so I can actually not flood my fucking base every single time. Uh, I tried to enter it, stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, just sort of dicking around with building shit in the game. And yeah, uh, I don't know. It's good fun. Um, I talked about it already. Uh, you just wind up like it's one of those games where. A lot of the, like, you have to make so much of the fun yourself. It's the yeah. Minecraft sort of philosophy. But, yeah. There's so much fun available for you to make, especially with the mod. Uh, I can't remember what fucking mod it's called. Um, that's really annoying. Fuck. Um, shit. It's a huge mod, though. Um, like, super popular. 
fuckity fuckity junkity fuck my files. Let's have a look on Steam. Chucklefish? No, that's a farm. <laughs> that's that's the um, actual site. I think it's Fracking Universe is the one. Um, yeah. So it adds like all kinds of elements and like mineables and stuff like that to the game and um, allows you to create so much more stuff and adds a bunch of biomes and tiny dungeon uh, dungeons and yeah, it um it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Starbound, yeah, I don't know. I, there's just something really endearing about flying to a new planet even if you're not doing the flying necessarily just sort of entering coordinates just mm-hmm. flying to a new planet and exploring it and yeah shit like that is really cool yeah but it's not multiplayer right it's not like a persistent multiplayer game i can't be it can be yeah i could set up a server like minecraft styles and yes yeah. i would play it then yeah. otherwise I'm not interested like that's the thing like I don't want to play it by myself I'd rather have some sort of world um, where I could get in and fuck around with yep but yeah like if we could play something together then I'd probably jump in well we can <laughs> um, yeah we can play something together which is we should set up a, a gap on totes yeah. I'll look into it <clears throat> yeah see how we can do that because uh, I'll play it if, if we can play multiplayer but if it's just single player I don't really um, yeah I don't think I'll play it alright well yeah I'll look into setting up the server and I'll invite invite you and put the details out if yeah. it's not too complicated but now I've got my sick internet I could just put it on my media center PC just like doing nothing it's, yeah uh, fuck it you can host everything from now on fucking beast but yeah Cool. All right, that's an idea. Yep. Let's do it. Do it to it. Sweet. Because I've been looking for things to play. I want to yep. play Hitman. Like, I keep hearing yeah, good things too. about Hitman, and they, yeah. they put out a new update recently. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Anyway, um, Civilization 6. Civilization 6. I got to play this. I uh, previewed it for IGN, uh, and that is actually out now. So you can go read that on IGN if you like. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Um, I only got to play 150 turns, and uh, I guess 150 turns isn't necessarily enough time to really know what you're getting into a civilization, right? Like. Uh, Things can go, can change dramatically after about 200 turns, right? Like the AI might shit its pants. Like I got into some fights in 150 turns. I did some stuff, like started some, started one war and had war declared on me as a result. Um, Traded a city, um, shit like that. Mm. But uh, by and large, like, not even turtling, you just wouldn't, like, you definitely have conflict earlier than 200 turns, but unless you were going full Mongols, rampaging, Khan style, you wouldn't really, well, I wouldn't normally do anything to my other civilizations apart from spying on them so I can work out what the fuck they've got. 
prior to 200 turns. And uh, so, yeah, having to stop at 150 turns, a little bit uh, premature, I guess. <sighs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit premature, but uh, nevertheless, got into, like, had a lot of fun with it, sort of got a grip on all the things that were avail- are available to it. Like, um, the AI seems really good. The barbarians actually do scouting. And if they scout out that you're the weakest civilization nearby, they will go and fuck you up. But fortunately, like, if you're lucky enough to have a couple of fucking city States nearby, they'll probably attack th- them instead, which is cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know got a good handle on the art style the district system is i'm a really big fan of it i I don't know people seem a bit down on it but i think it's a really cool idea like it's a really cool way to sort of spread out the way that you have to defend your uh civilization because it used to be that you just sort of stack shit around your capital and as long as they couldn't get through that shit while also being pelted by ranged units, mm-hmm. uh, you were pretty much okay. But now that districts spread out, you've got so much more territory, but you actually have to defend all of the territory within your borders instead of just sort of ceding a bunch of territory to fucking your invaders. Like, you actually have to go out there and defend it. It's no longer just farms and shit that's getting wrecked. It's full-blown your production or your fucking entertainment, your actual happiness and stuff like that. And so you, yeah, it's not that like, it's something that you concentrate on and you really want to fucking defend, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what else is there? I don't know. Is there anything about it? I, cause I, I don't know. My problem is that I, wrote all those words for the preview and we already <laughs> talked about this once. I can't remember what, what you talked about. talked about, right? Like, yeah. Um, so, like, the district seems to be the big new thing. Are they bringing, like, stuff from the expansions of the last games across? Religions and and that sort of stuff? Uh, religion like, is definitely in the game. Yeah. I'm very specifically not allowed to talk about it. Ah. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, like... One of the funnier things that happened to me is because we're not allowed, we weren't allowed to fucking, we weren't allowed to fuck with religion at all, right? Like they just, they're straight up, they're like, don't do anything with religion, and uh, like that meant that there was some city state shit that I can do because it was religious focused, um, and like the city state actually, the city state situation is really interesting because they expanded upon that. They've now got this envoys system where you send envoys to the different city states to uh influence them to like encourage them to be your friends more than other people's friends so if you send one envoy to a city state they'll give you like a cursory amount of fucking they'll give you like two two culture or something right yeah but if you uh if you have at least three uh envoys with them and more envoys than any other civilization then you'll be their suzerain and you'll get a suzerain bonus and so uh for like the example I used in uh, on IGN was uh, you get like two plus two culture to every single tile inside your borders that is adjacent to a coast. Mm-hmm. 
which can be fucking huge. Like, that would be a massive boost. It'd be something you'd literally go to war over, right? Uh, meanwhile, like, some of them are far worse, but, uh, like, when some of them are religious-focused and so, therefore, completely pointless uh, to how I was looking at the game because I was specifically not allowed to look at it. Uh, but about... I think seven-eighths of the way through the fucking, my 50 turns, uh, France negotiated an open borders uh, situation with me. And then they uh, surrounded my capital with apostles, religious units, um, which I couldn't move. And I couldn't tell them to move. And I couldn't... The only... like My, my only option wound up being to declare war on France and attack the apostles. Hmm. And I couldn't declare war in the je- the usual way because uh, I needed to get my shit out faster. Like, so they were literally like, they were literally forming a wall. I, they weren't literally, f- yeah, they were literally walling me into my <laughs> capital. And so I could not fucking get out. Um, I was blocked in between them and uh, the borders of Egypt. And Egypt were mad cockholes and definitely weren't going to allow me to travel through their borders. Um, so I, I had to declare war on them and fucking bust on through. Um, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I captured a bunch of apostles and then sent them to other people's territory and started converting them. And uh, I was... I wasn't really supposed to do that, but I didn't know what else to do with the fucking units. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so religion's definitely in the game. Um, I don't think they could never ever not have religion in anymore. Uh, but one of the interesting things is that civics and technology are split. So they're no longer in the same tree. Um, technology has its own tree. Civics has its own tree. And they're both uh, built by separate resources, which you build. Uh, which you earn. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting system. Like civics sort of takes care of government, cultural shit, uh, all that kind of stuff. And technology takes care of all the science. And uh, it's interesting trying to manage those two systems because obviously you want to be constantly uh, moving ahead with your um, civics, right? Uh, Because that's how you grow as a culture right but at the same time science is how you grow as a fucking military might mm-hmm. grow as a beast uh so yeah if you want to get that fucking those guns and those guns oh man when when your uh nearby neighbor egypt is being a massive dickhead declares war on you and uh is still fucking rocking bow and arrows while you have already passed onto <laughs> through crossbows and onto fucking muskets yeah uh, they get fucked up you just, especially I took land off them just so I could get nitrate so I could use my guns that was rough yep but uh, yeah uh, what else what else there's uh, like you no longer you, you get up bonuses for your techs and civics based on actual like accomplishments mm-hmm. so discovering a new consonant gives you a bonus to navigation or uh having a city near the sea yep. gives you a bonus to sailing 
shit like that. And by bonus, I mean like fucking halves how much time it takes to research shit, which is pretty important. It can really help. And it means that you wind up doing specific things to like that are contextually accurate. Like you actually go exploring to increase your navigation, right? Or you actually uh, develop farms so you can increase your ability to fucking farm or whatever. Like just shit that makes sense. And it's, it all sort of makes sense. Oh, also Sean Bean is the, um, he's, uh, talking about his, uh, all the techs. He does the voiceover of all the techs. And as far as I can tell, he doesn't die. So that's pretty good for him. Hmm. Good stuff. Sean Bean. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's looking pretty good, man. Like, it's looking like I'll probably lose a couple of hundred hours in it. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm scared. Uh, uh, we talked about this last week, right? Like, um, it would be awesome if they released the game during a slow period. That would be fantastic. Like February, March, April. Yeah. Or even June. Um, not not in the middle of busy season. Please stop it. I know, right? It's like such a game you need is like such a time sink. Yeah, and it risks like it risks. I guess they know they've got their niche because it is a little bit niche. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a fucking. It's like one of the biggest games <laughs> on Steam. Yeah, it's a huge game, hugely popular, and I love to be able to take my time with it and play it properly. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Was that it from Civ? <clears throat> That's it. I think. If you've got any questions about what I saw in Civ, uh, just send us an email. Because uh, I'm sure I'll do my best to answer them. Or I'll tell you, yeah, I didn't really get to see that in 150 turns. But yeah, basically the only thing I can't talk about apart from specific numbers for shit um, and so I should reiterate that uh, plus two culture for C-bound C tiles is an example of a number and not the actual number. Uh, but yeah, apart from actual like specific numbers, I can't talk about religion. That's about it. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, should we do some news then? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, some breaking news. <laughs> which is not video game relevant. The uh, the census website is is down. Ah, I already did the census. Yeah, didn't see that coming, did they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think they need it. Like, they just didn't know how many people had the internet. Yeah. Like, That's what a census will let them know, I think. Yeah. Uh, how one of the questions is... One of the questions is... Um, does do you or anyone living in this house have access to the internet from your house? And you're like, well, I'm filling out this census on the fucking internet from the house that you. Yes, yes. Like, what the fuck? It must be a control question, right? Like to see if people are just fucking with the census. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ, it is so fucking dumb. I wasn't like wasn't crazy i don't know man like 
If it's not a control question, I worry about the security of my information. Hmm. Yeah, when I, when I read that they were going to do it just across one night, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, do they know how this shit works? And they're like, no, no, we got this. We got, we got this. this. Yeah. yeah. We got and this. all your stuff will be completely safe because uh, we're, we're totally internet experts. Yeah. Jesus. Wait, wait what? what? What security stuff? What are you talking about? What security? What? What do you mean? What do you mean? Anyway, I was just flicking through and I noticed my uh, Twitter was on file um, yep. about it. Anyway, um, the, uh, the NX in news, uh, mm. there was a report which I cannot remember anymore where it came. Was it Eurogamer? Yep. Eurogamer. Eurogamer. Yep. Man, I should probably bring it up. Um, who were talking about... Uh, um, what's it? What have we got here? Portable console, <laughs> detachable controllers, no backwards compatibility with cartridges and a September reveal. Mm. Um, so I guess the big news out of this one is that it won't be a, uh, a home console as per se. It'll be just sitting there. It's something you'll take with you on the go that will have some sort of uh, detachable controls on the sides of it by the looks of the, um, the specs and, and uh, reports that are out there. Uh, you talked a bit about this last week in terms of like, um, like the, I guess the audience are going after because it's going to have a, a Tegra chip. Is yep. that right? Yeah. It's, it's rumored to have a, an NVIDIA Tegra chip, um, which would put like, give it basically enough power, uh, to be, I don't know, barely better than an Xbox 360, yeah. which would make it. Barely as powerful as a Wii U. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. If if it is a Tegra 1 chip, I think they're fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, they're... I don't know. Everyone's super positive about this, right? Like, everyone seems super duper fucking positive. And they're like, oh, yeah, Nintendo. Oh, man, they're combining the portable and the fucking home console market. Oh, they've got it all worked out. They're such geniuses. But if they... F- if like, if like Sony and Microsoft have looked at the PC market, looked at where games are going, and they're they're like, holy fuck, we need to make our fucking consoles better. If Nintendo have looked at all this and been like, yeah, fuck it, like let's just continue make like let's make this fucking this this screen thing, and like the problem I have is that they're once again going to have little to no third-party support because who the fuck can support a console that they have to develop a completely separate version of like, yeah. their games for? Like, that's not... Like, that's a completely different iteration. Like, like, that's not making a fucking Xbox One version of... That's not like fucking Iron Galaxy half-assing a fucking port of... Uh, seven days to die on the Xbox One of the PC game. That's that's like full blown fucking breaking it down and starting all over and building it for a fucking mobile chip. Uh, like yeah, what? So it's going to be fucking mobile games then? It's going to be mobile games and first party Nintendo games. Yeah. In which case, it's set in the water. Like I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here because I I can't see how this would be successful. At all, yeah. It's it's more 
like the way I'm looking at it is they've they've obviously got the cornered market for the um the handheld portable consoles yep. with the 3ds yep. and the way I see it is this is their next portable console it's just going to be something you can hook up to your TV as well mm. um and they're not going the other way around because like the the focus is going to be on getting all their teams together um it allows them to no longer have a split uh you know a split base of all right these guys are working on our home console and these guys are pumping out uh portable games it's it's all under the one house now everybody's making for the same thing but that's, just that's just really call it what it is then see. just call it call it nintendo abandoning the home console market then yeah because that's what's happening Right. If that is the fucking plan, then that's what's happening. They're abandoning the home console market and just going to portable consoles. And yes, it can plug into your fucking television, but that doesn't fucking that doesn't fucking matter. I can fucking cast my fucking phone screen to my TV. Like, yeah, that's that doesn't mean it's a fucking home phone, does it? That's like, yeah, I don't know. Like that you're almost 100 percent right uh, in that. That's like they're trying to combine those two. Console concepts, but yeah, is that if, what people want? <laughs> and yeah, that's like that's not going to be. Yeah, you're not buying an, an NX to replace your Wii U. Then you're buying an NX. I don't know to pl- to replace your 3ds. Yeah, to replace your 3ds, and what because you didn't buy the Wii U in the first place because barely any one did. I don't know. They're not gonna. They're not gonna do fucking Wii numbers again. That's not gonna happen. Nobody's gonna buy their kid a fucking an NX when they already have a fucking mobile phone that plays Pokemon Go or whatever. So that's never gonna happen. Um, yeah, it's gonna have to be. So it can't be th- like fucking mobile phone prices. But if it's gonna be a massive fucking huge heavy duty fucking games platform then it's going to have to be kind of expensive i don't know man yeah yeah i guess we'll wait and see right next month uh i think tokyo game show is a rumor at the moment yeah so that makes sense we'll find out more then um it also seems like i was reading a report uh, yesterday that the new playstation 4 will be revealed as well in september yeah. At uh, TGS? Yeah, yeah. Uh, two websites have confirmed that now. Hmm. Um, so I guess we'll find out a bit more about that then as well. Um, this is... We put this in here last week because we didn't have anything to talk about, which was Ubisoft announces the, the Division game. Sorry, the game movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> With Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. For some yeah. reason. <laughs> This, yeah, it didn't seem like news and it didn't seem like, like, because we'd all know, we'd sort of all known that there was the Division movie coming with Jake Gyllenhaal for ages, but they were like, yep, this is definitely happening. We're like, okay, so is the news here that there was a chance that it wasn't happening or what? Like, so we're all pretty sure it was just coming. From, from all the words that we'd heard. Yeah. Yeah, it was still strange when that press release came in. I was like, all right, fair enough, whatever. Um, I'm sure I'll see it, though, so. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah. One, I'm sure one day, eventually, I might watch it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I'll have to see how Assassin's Creed goes first, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. 
Yeah. Um, is, is it their first movie? No, because they did Prince of Persia as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're doing something differently this time. I feel like Prince of Persia didn't get a, a bad rap, right? I don't remember it being amazing, but I don't think it reviewed terribly. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, what's up next? Um, TI uh, International 6 is on right now. On right? Well, not right now. No. Well, it, it's it's on during the night. This week. Yeah, this week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, $20 million prize pool. Uh, it's $20 million US prize pool at the moment. Um, with 16 of the best Dota 2 teams competing for um, a trophy and all that money. Uh, so, we watched a couple games over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I woke up and you were watching them. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I didn't even I didn't even realize it was an option until I saw you doing it. So, you know, I can't take all the credit. Uh, but there wasn't much for me to do because you, everyone, like we're we hired this house up in the mountains, and uh, everyone else sleeps in forever, and I'm up for fucking ages by that point. So I'm just like, well, fucking, let's watch some Dota's. Yeah, see how it goes. But yeah. Yeah, that was the group stage, uh, which we watched a bit of. Uh, now the main event is happening, um, and they started knocking teams out, mm-hmm. um, which we're going to do a, a proper Dota 2 international podcast wrap-up in a couple of weeks once this, once this is all over. Yep. And we'll drag in a couple of other professionals. Totes. Uh, like Job, who know nothing about the game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we'll talk about it for two hours. Yeah. Uh, of the games we watched, though, see uh, E-Home came out on top of Group B. Yep. Did you know they came through the wild cards? Um, it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking good. Got to be happy if you're them. Mm. Um, and then there's other teams that have been knocked out and all sorts of crazy things happening already after day one. What upsets? My predictions are going very poorly right now. Oh yeah, did you think Team Secret were actually going to do anything at all? Um, no, but I didn't have them getting knocked out the first round, <laughs> uh, along with like OG getting OG, knocked out to the lower bracket immediately. That's fucking crazy, eh? I think out of all the predictions I put in, um, I got two right for the first day. <laughs> uh, and the rest were like, I think I got four wrong or something stupid like that. I was like, oh man. Uh, really bad, really bad. I need to go back and look at what I've done because it looks like a giant mess now. Yeah. Uh, but some good games. Like I watched the Team Secret today and um, uh, Team Secret versus LGD was very good. It was like an hour long and it was just fucking crazy. Like I can't believe that that was the best of one. Um, yeah. Just some of those games were insane. The same with uh, Na'Vi versus uh, Team Liquid. Like the caliber of... Of uh, like how high those teams are, yeah. just the level they're at, and you're like, holy crap! Like a best of one. I always feel bad for those best of one games. Like, and it, it can just go either way, right? Yeah, and you'd have to you'd have to be so tempted to risk it all on a crazy cheese bullshit strat. Yeah, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm having. Uh, I, I got up this morning at. Uh, sorry, I didn't get up this morning. I, was, I stayed up. Yeah. Um, it kicked off at three in the morning, and I watched it, and it was pretty cool. They've got some new things in there, like the the presentation is pretty cool. Uh, they've got 
like AR heroes now on the screen while they're drafting. Um, kind of like Pokemon Go style. Um, that kind of appear on the screen as they're going through it. Uh, they've got some, uh, like an analysis TV now, which Purge is running, which is kind of cool. Um, Gabe walked out in thongs and did his speech. Oh, yeah. That was pretty funny. Anyway, I guess we'll talk a bit more about that later, but uh, <laughs> just a heads up that that is on and you can watch it. A lot nice. of people watching it right now, it seems like. Totes. Yep. Cool. And uh, the last piece we've got up here is Quake Champions. A new trailer was, well, the first trailer, first gameplay trailer. First gameplay trailer. Yeah. It was released over the weekend. Um, pretty disappointed. Yep. It looks like how we expected it to look, which is not very good. I have some problems. What yeah. are your problems? Uh, uh, rocket jumping doesn't seem to damage the jumper, which is just stupid. Maybe that's supposed a perk. to be a fucking trade off. Maybe they do have a perk, which brings me to the other thing that pisses <laughs> me off uh, hero bullshit. It's clearly a hero's game, and yeah. It's sort of like, well, fuck. Um, okay. Um, that's not a fucking... It's not old school shooter then, is it? That's not high skill ceiling, is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't know. I don't know how people could look at a game and think, yeah, wall hacks are actually a part of the game, uh, built into the game. Um... Yeah, that's got a high skill ceiling. Like, yeah, totally. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I watched that trailer and it didn't do much at all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's boring, right? Just looks, yeah, dull, man. And the, the thing is that, like, it's not working on it either. It's that other studio that made the Doom multiplayer, which was not very good either. So, um, my hi- hopes are not high for that one. Yeah. Um, gotta see more, right? Like, I actually gotta play it, I guess, but, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Not convinced at this point, definitely. No, and that is the news we've got for this uh, this last two weeks. Totes. Hmm. Uh, but we've got some emails, right, and some um, a speakpipe message, which we've already answered. <laughs> but we will answer again. <laughs> Shall we go with speakpipe first? Sure thing. Um, right, give which, me a second. Bring it up. Which you can uh, do the same thing, which is speakpipe.com slash the gap where you can leave us a 90-second message, um, a voicemail, which we'll play on the show, and you can ask a question, which is what uh, is Cameron, wasn't it, if I remember? Yes, it was. Yes. Um, and you're bringing that up now? It's going to take... I, I am. No, it should be loaded pretty soon. With your super-fast internet? My super-fast internet. Mm. I just got to make sure it's working on my phone. No, that's notifications, you fuckhead. Oh, my God. This is Cameron. I've been playing more Dead by Daylight. I just wanted to drop in with some thoughts. It seems like the underlying core of this game must be really good for me to put up with all the buggy bullshit it's got going on. There are some funny bugs where 
I'll bounce between the killer's arms on the ground like he's dribbling a basketball when he's running me to the hook sometimes, or I'll be stuck floating in the air like a weird horseshoe. But then there's also game-breaking bugs, like I'll get freed from a hook and stuck inside the hook for the rest of the game. Or I'll be on the ground, bleeding out, trying to heal. The killer will try and pick me up. Nope, stuck there on the ground, can't heal, can't be healed, can't be picked up the rest of the game, just got to die there. He'll try and pick me up, it'll leave my body and he'll run away with my camera for the rest of the game. And because the servers are hosted on the killer's PC, it feels like the more people that leave because of these game-breaking bugs, the less chance I'll have of having a decent server, which means more lag, which means more people leaving, which means less choice, which means more lag, and it's a cycle. I read somewhere that they made all of their money back, but I feel like in the long run they made a bad choice putting it out in the state. I feel like if they'd spent more time trying to iron out the bugs, it'd be a better experience and they'd have more people around for longer to you know, buy the DLC they're going to put out and enjoy it, create a community around it. Don't get me wrong, I still play a ton of it, but I feel like they really need to get on these bugs soon. What do you guys think? There you are. Good stuff, Cameron. Yeah, so I think um, since that uh, voicemail was sent in, some of those things have been addressed already. Um, in particular, the uh, the down state of a survivor not being able to be interacted with. Mm. Um, that's now being fixed. That's something that happened to me while we were playing with yep. together. Um, I think I got hit, and for some reason, you couldn't revive me. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the hook thing still happens, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> I've not seen it. Yeah. Um, so I, maybe they did fix that. Maybe. That it wasn't in the patch notes. Um, okay. I, I've definitely not seen it in um, for a couple, like two weeks now. But like he is right, mm. right? Like he is, he is correct. Uh, the, the fact is, as people get turned off playing the game uh, because of the bugs, because of the inconsistencies... The like the uh, experience will continue to get worse, which will turn more people off, which will make it worse. It's it's a a downward spiral. It's 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 the uh, tailspin mm-hmm. sort of situation. I don't think it's actually in that tailspin yet, though, because as far as I can, I, I was looking at Steam charts before, and it's actually it's still doing decent. Like it's still to, like eighteen. Uh, like top 20, uh, it is sort of trending downwards, but it's not trending downwards really fast. And it still seems to spike a little bit every single time there's a patch. People want it to work. That's the thing, right? People want it to work and they need to capitalize on that goodwill. Um, I guess that's what we were saying before, right? Like they Mm -hmm. need to capitalize on people wanting to enjoy the game they created. Because, yeah, it's great that they made all their money back, but... It'd be so much better for them if they can make shitloads more, right? Making this game that they love. Yeah, yeah. So the um, I, I think it needed maybe a month just yep. extra in in beta because it was out in in beta for a little while. But uh, I just they it would have been a lot better if they nailed some of those bugs um, and probably fixed up that survive with friends stuff. Like it's good that it's in there now and it see it works okay, but it's not solid. Like having to go in there each time and, um, you know, hit ready every time it doesn't find a game 
or sometimes it'll go back to the lobby for some weird reason. Um, you know, that stuff isn't, it's not game breaking, but it can be annoying. And things like Rainbow Six Siege had those problems at launch as well, and they eventually fixed it, which was, um, which is good. Uh, and it's unfortunate that that stuff's there to begin with, but yeah, it's the things like the disconnecting and not having, um, you know, any punishment that that's the stuff that needed to be fixed before it was released. And, um, yeah, as opposed to everything else, like, I still feel like it's it's still decent. And the juke, like, the infinite juking stuff was something that needed to be addressed before it was released. Because mm. um, that went a couple of weeks where it was pretty shithouse. It's pretty, it's decent at the moment. There's only, like, one or two spots on each map. Yeah. Um, and they've done that intentionally. Um, you know, the survivors have to leave that area eventually. Yeah. Uh, to, to in, in order to, to do objectives. But... Like, it's not as bad as what it was a month ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's um, it, I think it needed a bit more time to cook. But I think they're definitely getting there. And they're addressing those problems. And they've been talking to the community every week. They do that stream where they talk about, um, you know, what they're working on and, and answer community questions. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's still a, a very fun game. You know, I haven't put 70 hours, 65 in, hours into it for nothing. Because I think it's shit. I'm, it's not like Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, good speak pipe, Cameron. Thanks for sending that in. Um, yeah. I don't know. You did really well as well. It sounded like you had it all well thought out ahead of time. And yeah, it was a good, I don't know. It was a good, good message. Good voice message. Uh, we've also got an email. Okay. Which this is the GA podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, this one's from Andrew. Andrew writes, Hey guys, I scored me some rare PAX West tickets. So I'm making a small West Coast tour of Vancouver and Seattle while I'm there. Some of you guys travel a lot for game stuff. So I was wondering if you would have any recommendations. I don't know if you know anything about Vancouver. I've never heard anyone of having uh, a game studio there. But Capilano Suspension Bridge is a thing and the Treetops Tour part looks but uh, a lot like Endor, so that's pretty cool. Maybe Seattle, though. Microsoft is there, after all. Or any general American chains or restaurants or heart-clogging food I've got to try or go see. If I manage to get a story like Jormy, where I run into Mr. T for no apparent reason, I'll be happy. Any advice on going to conventions, too? Do I go around with disinfectant wipes or just to accept that I'll get Pax Pox and not even try? I know this isn't uh, strictly gaming related, but your blatant disregard, some would say, even say contempt for the rules and boundaries is what makes you guys entertaining or something. I don't know. I just said that because everyone who sends in an email praises you. Maybe ad lib something better. Oh, I just thought of one. You guys are like Dustin from Stranger Things. He's the best character. Cheers, Andrew. Cheers, Andrew. We are like Dustin from Stranger Things. He is the best character. Fuck everyone who says anyone different. Obviously, Wait. Dustin's the best. The kid? Yeah. Out of the kids or the best character? Out of all the characters, he's obviously the best. Toothless. Yeah, he's good. I like the cop, though. Oh. The cop's... The cop's... He's a good actor. He's a good actor. I've not seen him in anything. Um, he was he's in... definitely been in stuff. Oh, he's been in... He was in uh, uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, well, I haven't watched that, so... Yeah, yeah no, he's just some, like, uh, government agent or something. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything, but 
I thought he was awesome. He was good. Winona Ryder, she's shit. Like, <laughs> she's fucking terrible. She hands it the fuck up in that, <laughs> that show. It's like, oh, man, all right. Give a it tiny this. bit. I think you're being a bit harsh. No, oh, she wasn't I, that bad. I feel like there's no progression in that show of like, like it just seems she goes from like fucking zero to crazy like straight away. It was it was a bit weird. Like that just I don't know that's a bit rough. like just like from zero to ten like there was no in between like gradual progression of her getting to that stage, uh, and it just seemed like like a super over the top character anyway i'm ranting on i've diverted what was the question he's from um, newsroom the cop did you ever watch newsroom the aaron sorkin yeah uh i did well yeah he was in that i wow i don't remember <laughs> oh and he was in two episodes of law and order a decade apart as two different characters it's weird um anyway uh what was i gonna say um yeah dustin's obviously the best character come on Focus up. He's got the best lines. He's funny. He keeps shit together when everything's falling apart. He's clearly the best character. You're ridiculous if you don't think so. Um, and if you haven't watched Stranger Things, go watch it. Um, we didn't spoil it, did we? we? Didn't say anything that spoiled it. No, we didn't. No, just the aliens. Bit. Just yeah. Um, but you always say aliens, so. Yeah. Uh, so uh, things to do. So you're traveling. On the west coast, uh, Vancouver. I assume you're going to Canadian Vancouver, right? I think that's what we said. Uh, the Capilano Bridge is in Canadian Vancouver, isn't it? Because there's two Vancouver's. Because there's the one where they filmed the X Files, right? Yep. And there's the Canadian one, or there's the other one. Uh, but yeah, they're not the same place. Um, but yeah. Um, Vancouver. We talked about last week, right? Like Valve is yeah, in well, Seattle. Valve is in Seattle. Uh, EA has a Vancouver studio. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. There's oh, thing. yeah. And if, you, if you're if going to anything, you're going to go Fat Burger because they've got that burger where you can like customize your own burger and you put chili on it and avocado and four patties and bacon and you make the fucking fattest fat burger of all time. Oh, my God. I really want it. Uh, but there's also an In-N-Out in Seattle. So um, if you're going to hit some fucking greasy American chains, you've got to hit those two. Uh, Fat Burger is my top, like, 100% favorite chain burger. Like, 100% chain favorite chain burger. Um, In-N-Out Burger is spectacular for its price. Yeah. That's, that, the appeal of In-N-Out is that it's a good burger made amazing because you get chips a drink this crazy animal fries topping and any customizations you want to your burger for like five bucks fifty american mm. it's fucking bananas it's made yeah it's it's a good burger made amazing by its price fat burger costs you a bit but is the best chain burger in america hands down i've been a fucking shake shack i've been a fucking five guys fat burger is the best don't let anyone tell you any fucking different. Um, and there's one in Seattle. So you got to hit that shit up. Um, yeah, you guys were saying that uh, Valve sometimes you like throw it out there and they sometimes let people do tours. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so Valve do, do tours. Uh, 
but I'm not sure like what type of tour you will get. But um, yeah, just type in like Valve Studio Tour into Google, and I think there was an email address last time that you could email. Yeah. Um, yeah, just tell them you'll be in the neighborhood. Uh, the only thing was that because it's after the international, they generally go on holidays um, after TI. Like they take the whole studio down to like Hawaii. Right. Uh, so I don't know the, the time period, but yeah, just hit them up, send them an email, see what happens. Just tell them you're from Australia and we sent you. Uh, Eric knows this, so you'll be fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm not sure what else to do there. I've not been to that part of town. So right. No idea. I think Nathan said he went there, right? Uh, I think Nathan has been there, yeah. But yeah, I think that was part of the the thing we lost is Nathan has been to Seattle. I haven't been to Seattle, uh, but I did some research to make sure you could go to Fatburger. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Nathan, yeah, Nathan's been to Seattle, so he knows what to see. Uh, but yeah, EA has a studio in Vancouver. I don't think you can get in to see it because I think I'm pretty sure. That is where they're doing the Star Wars shit at the moment. And that shit is like... It's tight. Defcon 1 shit. Yeah, so you'll never get in, which is a bummer. But yeah, um, there was another question in there, wasn't there? In the email? Yes, there was. Um, advice for conventions, avoiding PAX Pox. Oh, uh, Yes. What do you reckon, Luke? What's your What do you do? You just try to kill all the germs with as much alcohol as possible. Pretty much, yeah. Like drink a lot. It is um, literally the worst way to go about it because you can't tell what's hangover and what is the on early onset of the fucking packs box. I can't. Uh, I don't get hangovers, so right. I'm not. Yeah. Yes, uh, but your mighty robot body doesn't actually contract disease either. So only computer viruses. Yes. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's sort of your, that only really applies to you. Yeah. We, we generally, um, I got sick once at E3. Yep. Uh, like the last day of E3. Um, but by that stage I knew it was coming. So I just jacked up on a bunch of medicine. Yep. Um, but otherwise, like, I don't know what I would have gotten sick from there. Um, because you don't play any fucking games at E3. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to push through massive crowds of people. Yeah, like tons of people. I think that's the main thing, right? It's like yeah. stacks of people um, just being all in the one location, sitting next to everybody that could have anything and being in a foreign country as well. <laughs> that's, I think, the main thing. I think our pitch was to cosplay as someone from The Division and then that way you get to wear like the mask and shit yeah. at all times a gas mask and like filters and stuff so that you never actually have to breathe anything anyone else breathes that's uh yeah that's probably your best bet but my advice would be to just not worry about it take hand sanitizer you reckon hand sanitizer yeah and just anytime you finish playing something on a console just fucking put some of that shit on your hands you'll be fine or just yeah. eat it just just drink like half a bottle you'll be right that's true. Don't drink half bottle. I didn't say that. Please uh, don't it's drink. Too late. <laughs> it's too late. I'm already doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Cool. Have fun at uh, PAX West. PAX West? Yeah, PAX West. That's fucking oh, awesome. What, what do we say? Go see the Aussies because they'll be there. A um, bunch of them will be taking Oh, yeah. They will. So. Yeah. They too. Will too. Mm. Will too. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Cool. That's it. 
Totes. Again, there's a four hour. It took us four hours to say all that bullshit. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, uh, Australia beat Serbia, by the way. Uh, the basketball. The basketball. Yeah, I watched it last night. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. It was really good. We were um, fourth quarter. We were tied. Really? Going to the fourth quarter. And then we beat them by like 20 points. Shouldn't even fucking come down to that. Yeah, man. Uh, Delhi and fucking Delhi just took off. He went nuts. Yeah. He got like d- a double-double. A double-double? Yeah. Fuck yeah, Delhi. Good on Delhi. He went, let me check. 23 points, 13 assists, no turnovers. Holy fuck. No turnovers? Yeah. That's awesome. He was just lobbing like alley-oops all over the fucking place. It was bonkers. Shit, yeah. Um, Yeah, really good game. So we're we're two for zero now. We might actually get a fucking medal. Like we've won before. We've got a medal before, but um, yeah, I thought Spain might be doing all right, but they got beat by- They got beat, yeah. Um, it was Argentina, maybe. Not sure. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, we've done pretty good so far. I think we've got a good team. I don't think it's our best team. Like we're missing Ben Simmons and also Dante Exum, mm. uh, which are two really good players, like two top, top 10. Well, one's a number one draft pick and the other one is a number seven, five, five draft yep. pick. Um, and then also Thon Maker, Maker. Right. Yeah, I don't. What's his last name? Is it Maker? Maker? Yeah. Maker. Um, also, isn't playing at the moment. So there's like three, yeah, like really good basketball players that we could um, round out that team with. So yeah, I'm not sure. Like this Olympics might be pretty good, but the next one might be even better, um, a lot better, I think. With those guys having like a developed Ben Simmons could be like bonkers for our team. Fuck yeah. Yeah, but it's been good. I've been watching, uh, watch both those. Well, no, I watched that game last night, and then I watched the highlights of of the other one, which was a lot of fun. A lot yep. of um, a lot of Bogut and Deladova. Yeah, doing crazy shit, and I, they seem good. to be teaming up well, eh? Well, they used to play together, but considering one of them beat the other one for the <laughs> championship, uh, yeah, NBA championship, two years in a row now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Bogut wasn't in the game, but yeah, still, they both they both now have taken a championship away from each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just I find that interesting. And the other the other good thing is uh, the Aussie chicks got up in the uh, women's rugby sevens. That's pretty cool. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. Like, yeah, I don't really go in for rugby sevens usually, but fuck me, just yeah. The chicks were fucking... Some of those chicks are like fucking lightning. Hmm. It is crazy to watch them run. They're just so much faster than everyone else. It's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we play uh, Team USA on Thursday morning in the basketball. Oh, uh, Bogan was saying, uh, teams who ask the Americans to autograph their shoes are beaten before the game begins. <laughs> <laughs> That's not us, and we think we can win. All right. Okay, Bogut, don't be a dickhole. He likes to talk a lot of shit, doesn't right? he? Right? Fucking hell, mate. Jesus. It's good that he's playing, though. Like, he was pretty much ruled out, and he just fucking showed up. I was like, yeah, I'll play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we wrap this up? Yes. That's a yes. Yes. Um, you can find us on facebook.com slash the gap. Uh, where's the chair podcast? 
No, facebook.com slash geopodcast. <laughs> I can't remember anymore. Uh, Twitter.com slash geopodcast. Or you can send us a, uh, a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash the gap like Cameron did. Or email us at the geopodcast at gmail.com like Andrew did. Yep. Is that his name? Yes. Um, you can find us on uh, the Android, Windows, or iTunes store. Uh, you can write and review us on there. Um, and that is it. Job, do you have anything going up that people can check out your work at? You can go check out my Civ 6 preview at <coughs> IGN.com. Yep. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I think it went over pretty well. Um, the other one is uh, I wrote up that magic that yes. we talked about. I wrote up the weekend, uh, talked to some of the pros. That was pretty cool. Took some photos. I think that turned out pretty well. And I should have an interview with Ben Brode, lead developer of Hearthstone, um, up later this week. But we didn't talk about Hearthstone. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, um, if you want to hear me talk about Hearthstone, you can go listen to the IGM podcast. I was on that with Ben Brode. Hmm. Just memeing out. I was actually pretty funny, you know, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Pretty fucking hilarious. Just just throwing out there. Yeah. Cool. Um, also, uh, leave us some feedback about the episode this week because we did the interview, 30-minute interview with... Oh, what? yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, let us know what you thought of that. Um, should we change the format up? Should we put it... Um, you know, at the end of the show, would you prefer it at the beginning? Like, what what kind of content do you want to see more of like that? Because uh, we can definitely line it up. It's not hard. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not people want to listen to that sort of stuff. Or would you rather us talk about games? So, yeah. Anyway, uh, either email us or um, send us a speak pipe. We'll have a listen. But that's it for this week. Hopefully everything worked. Yep. If it didn't, well, fuck it. I think we're done. We're not yep. doing this one again. No. We'll just go straight to next week. Totally. Uh, I'll be, be in here. Germany. Yeah. Um, for Gamescom, right? For Gamescom. Cool. Uh, so next week, I will have to drag on some other people. Yeah, or maybe I'll record something from Germany. Or you can record... Because you're going with Nathan, aren't you? I am. And I my calendar looks fucking awesome. Hmm. Uh, I'm definitely, like, definitely... Pay attention to my YouTube channel if you have any idea of what that is. Yep. Uh, I think it's youtube.com slash JoeyJojo. Definitely stay on top of that if you want to see some fucking Battlefield 1 because apparently I'm getting fucking ages with it. <laughs> like ages. And they're going to let me cap at 4K and all kinds of shit. So there'll be that, definitely. Uh, but I may or may not get hands-on with Dawn of War 3, uh, FIFA, uh, NBA, 2K, Mafia 3, but I don't think they'll let me cap any of that. I'm getting hands-on with a fucking shitload. So, uh, yeah, should be a huge one. And I cool. uh, should be able to cap a lot of stuff as well, so that'd be cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. We will catch you all uh, next week.